While we're on the topic of the holidays and getting in front of this early on, we are taking next week off. Correct. So we can reach more of you via the airwaves than we can on social media. So we try to be good about this, but we are probably almost certainly 99.9% not having an episode. If you see an episode next week, it's a surprise episode that we are not planning to record. As in a surprise for us as well. (laughs) Yes. So if you're listening live, if you're one of our regular listeners that listens when these drop, we, for the week uh, of Christmas, we won't be releasing a new episode. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, it's chaos for everybody and everybody has stuff to do and it's just not as much as we want to put something out every week. It's not worth pushing everyone to try and, and make something happen. I think, uh, I think it's kind of a nice way to end the year, just uh, being a little reflective and taking some time. Yeah. Coming up for air is helpful too, because we have listeners that listen religiously who often thank us when there is a moment of silence so that they can catch up on these two and a half to three and a half hour shows. And there's like a back catalog of nine and, you know. Looking at you, part-time listeners. (laughs) Step it up. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we'll be back. uh, We'll be back in the new year raging and having fun. Uh as I, as I look at, at taking a sip of water from our brand new sponsored water cups. <laughs> yeah, calling that a cup is generous. Uh, well, I mean, for, have you seen the size of my hands? Yeah. This 30-ounce thing, that's about a cup for me. Right. Is it Stanley? What Do we even know? It is Stanley. It's, yeah, it's a big Stanley thermos. Yeah. It's Jim Beam and Minnesota Wild branded, <laughs> uh, gifted to us by our wonderful sponsors at Beam Suntory. Yeah. I just thought it was like when, when he walked up with them, I didn't know what, what they were. Cause they were yeah. like in bags and he's like, Oh, I got these for you. And I'm like, I don't, what? Like we just got our, our booze delivery for the shows. And I was trying to figure out what it was. And then he busts them out. I'm like, all right. I mean, I'll take yeah, it. That, that actually, I have a question for you. Huh? Like, so when, when you're sponsored by someone like Jim beam, uh, yeah. How does that work? Like you just, they just come and give you these little gifts every once in a while. Well, do, do they prompt you? Like, mm. do you want these things? Are there things you want? There, I because of what Charles and I have done in our professional careers, I think we've both been uh, gifted uh, piles and piles of swag over the years. <laughs> so I tend not to want anything. I right. I already have too many T-shirts and branded t-shirt. sweatshirts and all that. But uh, I'm I'm a sucker for a good like car yeah. mug you know where yeah. where it tapers at the bottom so it fits in your absolutely in your car absolutely uh i also have a spectacular habit of dropping mine and then denting them so that they don't sit completely flush mm-hmm. or breaking the lid which i just did mm-hmm. on my 40 ounce what are the odds yeah. yeah also so, we we now know that these can survive a car fire yes uh, oh yeah 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 <laughs> It's good to know. Future sponsor. Future sponsor. <laughs> Future sponsor. Let's go. Let's start a car on fire. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time, allegedly, that I've done that. That's fine. <laughs> allegedly. I won't leave yeah. any more details out there. That, did you hear that Stanley is paying for that a woman's car. car? Yeah. She, they're getting her a new car. Or no kidding. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. They, so she posted a video, I believe, on TikTok of her Stanley thermos yeah. not only surviving her car being a light literally the car was on fire but there was still ice inside yeah it. That's i mean fucking crazy you can't get better advertising oh, than no, that no no that's like, why they're all. paying for a car because <laughs> it's just like generating more interest in the video yeah it's smart why not 
get a $17,500 car. It's good advertising. That Easy. said, I would prefer if my car did not light on fire. I, I don't, don't really need there. that right yeah. now. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fun. I guess. I don't know if you're into that whole fun thing. Experiment. <laughs> Uh, well, we should we should jump into speaking of our sponsor. We should jump into this pretty rad bottle. Yeah, let's uh, let's let the people know. So um, this is a bottle that specifically you're not going to be able to acquire anywhere. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have gifted to us from the Beam Suntory family a uh, a custom blend Maker's Mark forty six bottle, I believe, and uh, it is it is the official pick of the Minnesota Timberwolves, who as uh, a former employee of the Timberwolves and still a fan of our lovable team uh, to see them at the top of the entire NBA right now is pretty awesome. I'm not hyperbolic. I'm not trying to say like we're taking the finals, but I am as somebody who was literally on the court for every home game of a 14 win season, trying to rally the crowd into caring. It's pretty fucking awesome watching us do what we're doing right now. We already have 30% more wins than that. And if you don't, if you don't give a shit about yeah. basketball, but <laughs> you want a team that you want to like cheer for, it's pretty hard to root against our team right now. It's just true. full of like great personalities, hardworking guys, and they're out there every single day killing it. And so I just thought it would be kind of nice. Again, as a Minnesota sports fan, I know that the turn is always around the corner. There's mm -hmm. always something worse that can happen. Yeah. And I'm leaning into just... Be grateful today for what's going on and enjoy it while it lasts. And I just thought this is a perfect night for us to bust to this bust out. this one out. And if you're a fan of whiskey and you want a whiskey to root for, Makers, so you can't get this Makers bottle, but there are a lot of store picks you can access at, you know, your finer retailers that do barrel picks. Yep. Um, and can you tell us a little bit, you were mentioning before the pod about their, their program. The program, yeah. So, um and and this I'm not I'm not trying to denigrate anybody else. I just think that their their process is really interesting. As somebody who's actually done it before, um, the Beam Suntory family tries to make it as interactive as possible. And some other uh, distilleries, they'll if you want to do a barrel, they'll bring you down and you can kind of look around and then they'll tap a barrel for you and you can try it and see if you like it. What I like about um, both Maker's Mark and uh, I believe Knob Creek still does this is. Uh, it's, I mean, it can be tough, especially if you're in, well, if you run a liquor store or if you run a bar restaurant to get away for a week to go, you know, halfway across the country to go pick stuff. Right. It can be really hard to bring a team to do that. So what they'll do. And expensive. And expensive. What they'll do is they'll bring um, an entire spectrum of their barrels and you can taste through them. And if you like more than one, you can also create a blend. They'll do a, a custom blend for you. And a lot of those programs were launched by uh, liquor producers during the early stages of the pandemic, enabling their uh, clientele to put together custom barrel picks or stave selections uh, where they otherwise would have them come and regale them and have them stay in the private homes and, and have dinners with them. But so a lot of the, some of them, some of them did it before, but now it's a little more prevalent. It's For a, sure. It's a really nice uh, option for a lot of people. Well, and it shows the versatility of, of the whiskey, even though it's the same mash blend and it's going into the same wood in the same cooperage barrels and then into the same rickhouse, it expresses itself differently depending on how high up it is, how deep it is, how that season is for, for weather, how, you know, like there's so many factors that go into it after it's been barreled. And so 
to give people that interactivity where you can, you know, sometimes it's a little spicier, sometimes it's a little sweeter, sometimes there's a more prevalent vanilla note to it and allowing people to kind of come up with what they think their best, their best mix is, is it's a fun interactive way to go about it. And I think it also makes it more, um, more collaborative where you can feel like you actually had a part in it, you know, not just like, yeah, it's personal. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to get to slap the barrel, but it's really cool if you can say like, Oh, I blended these three together because this is exactly what I wanted it to taste like. Mm. And this one came out. Uh, she's, she's a little, she's a little hot. I love it. It's uh, about one ten. It's up there. What do we got? Get the actual number. So 108.8 is the proof on this. Uh, We poured this in some low balls over some beautiful MN Pure Clear Ice to allow it to dilute a little bit. Uh, It's really smooth. It has a nice spiciness, a little bit of pepperiness, and actually like a kind of an interesting finishing sweetness. There's some good residual sweetness on the back end, uh, not too heavy, but... With a bottle like this, and, you know, obviously access to this is limited, but bottles like this at this proof from Makers, these are sipping whiskeys, but it has that little bit of sweetness that almost makes it feel like a faux old-fashioned without having to put simple syrup or or any other type of sugar into it. I I think that's the the thing that's always drawn me to Makers, Mark. Uh, I believe we've talked about it on the show before. The first sort of craft cocktail that I fell in love with was a Makers Mark Manhattan. Yeah, I, yeah. I just really, I loved that. And now that my tastes have changed at the time, I was a little bit more sugar forward in the cocktails that I liked 20 years ago. But now this still has all of those same flavors in it to me. It's just the, the Manhattan was like a sweetened, heightened version of that. Sure. And the way that my palate has changed, this it hits all the notes that I'm looking for in a Manhattan without having to add anything else to it. Right. Sam, what is, what's one of your favorite cocktails that you make with whiskey? It mm. sounds like you like whiskey cocktails. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you like, so I'll answer your question, but I'm kind of raising like a bigger question, which is this, I've always wondered you know, like in my industry in coffee, you know, you, you get, this idea that like you you can't use really nice beans for espresso, right? Because it's gonna get blended with milk and like you lose the thing. And my dad raised me on Manhattan's. Well, didn't didn't raise me on Manhattan's, <laughs> but uh, but at some point, it, you know, yeah. it, it, it was his drink of choice. And then naturally, like that was one of my first drinks we had together. And he kind of had always he had this like old school idea that like oh you only mix shitty whiskey for Manhattan. Okay. And recently I've tried to remove myself from that. Um, because also shitty whiskey is just like not a great experience generally. Yeah. Like I I tend to wake up with more hangovers and all that stuff. I don't know if it's a placebo effect or not, but my drink to answer your question is Manhattan. Although what I've been, experimenting with i took a little bit of a break from drinking this last year just to kind of you know reset yeah what's going on you know but right before that i was making this like a reverse manhattan yeah absolutely like two parts sweet vermouth Mm -hmm. um but i don't use shitty also shitty vermouth is like the worst yeah ever i'd rather not have the manhattan then like have it pouring yourself a glass of cooking wine and just yeah. sipping on it yeah 
Um, we we I'm buying only Koki mm, and Bravo. It's the Koki that's like Torino. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yep. It's like cherry cola, but it's not yeah. like it doesn't like co- it's so sweet, but it's like brute sweet. Yeah. Do you do the same amount? Because I go a little less with Torino because I do find it quite sweet. Oh, that's a good point. I, I haven't been, but what I've been doing is uh, there's, what's that local German uh, liqueur brand or German sounding name? Damfork. Damfork mm-hmm. makes this like bitter liqueur and I can't remember which one, okay. but I do just like a 16th ounce of that. So that just okay, removes just all that. Yep. It, it, it balances the sweetness. Yep. Oh my god, I can't think of it. It's uh, like oh, Helio something. It's the one that's yes. yeah. It's yeah. the one yes. that's based on the herbs from the island in the North Sea that's north of Germany. That uh, Zaona he used to go there as a child. And ah, he would I see. Walk yeah, around. yeah. It's my he's my favorite accent in all uh-huh. of the Twin Cities market. <laughs> I will follow him around his store and just listen to him talk. So cool. It's so great. I I totally agree. I'm a huge fan of Di Torino and also Carpa Antica. For like sure. those I, two, I prefer, I prefer Antica. Yeah. Personally. Ooh, is wait, which one? Carpa Antica. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh, little, little less sweet. Have I been saying it wrong? Is it Antica? We always do. You know, you read something and then you say it. Yeah. We do it all the time. Uh, we sometimes yeah. say a different two, two consecutive sentences. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same, same sort of style, just a, a higher end um, okay. sweet vermouth. But that's it, like to the point where I almost consider that a separate ingredient. And I just, I, I love that. I, there's almost always a bottle of that in my fridge. And, oh, God. Again, a quarter ounce goes a long way. But it adds this beautiful, rich fruit depth to yeah. it without being, like, cloyingly yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I find that, like, cheap vermouths, sweet vermouths specifically, are, like, anemic. Like, yeah. They taste, uh, it almost, like, detracts from... Yeah, it dulls everything yeah. else. In the tamp- yeah, tamp- it doesn't down. help at all, actually. Right. Yeah, right. especially because, well, you're more likely to find a more rudimentary vermouth at a more just run of the mill bar, and that bottle is also more likely to have been open for a very long time and not refrigerated, mm-hmm. which just compounds the the fracture. I remember famously being at a bachelor party at a casino and standing in line with my buddy Gabe who is a bartender and ordering a Manhattan. And he was like, Manhattan at a shitty casino. That's bold. And I was like, who fucks up a Manhattan? And he says, famous last words. And lo and behold, it was like, it was, it was, it was undrinkably bad. And I couldn't even understand. That had to be why it's a bottle of sweet vermouth that probably had been opened a year prior. Um, (laughs) I was just going to just quick side story. All I can think of, um, (laughs) I can think of with the cheap vermouth thing, was um, uh, years ago living overseas, I had this crazy Italian friend that I think I've referred to on the show before. His name was Max. Uh, Massimo. And he had this like foot and a half long, like perfectly like clipped, uh, just giant fro. And he was this crazy little dude. And the first time we went to a party together, I look over and he's just chugging out of a bottle. And I was like, bro, like, slow down, man. This is a long party. He's like, no, my friend, it's, it's just vermouth. We just drink it. It's fine. And I was like, oh, well, what are you drinking? Thinking he's going to show me some really dope, like, Italian stuff that I can, like, try. No, it's a bottle of fucking Martini and Rossi. No. Like, shitty green bottle Martini and Rossi. And I watched him drink an entire bottle. 
And to this day, every time I see one of those bottles come out from behind a bar when somebody's making a cocktail, I like shudder. Oh yeah. Just thinking about watching him and then talking, it was a loud party. And so I'm like trying to like bend down to hear him and just the hot, cheap vermouth breath. Oh my God. I'm taken back there instantly every time. I can smell it. I can remember his accent. I can remember the story he was telling. And that's all I can think about every time. I've been where he's been at a college party at my buddy Dave's house where we drank everything except we went in his pantry and there were bottles of bad vermouth that had been opened ages ago on the top rack of this shelf. And we were like, well... Liquor stores closed. Let's drink them, and we were just chugging them. And I just remember, like, we we were hitting focus mitts because it was at a time in my life where I was that was part of my life. And I remember like waking up and like my hands were sore, and I just like I had this taste in my mouth. I was like, why did we? Why did we do why? this to ourselves why? last night? He's playing violin at like four in the morning. <laughs> Very weird night. <laughs> I mean, it's like any night that ends in violin playing in the wee hours. We were hitting focus like, yes. mitts, drinking old vermouth. He started playing a violin, and a girl came to meet me on a bus. Like, I couldn't <laughs> even tell her where the house was from where she got dropped off. And it wasn't like GPS on your phone age. <laughs> I, I think I, <laughs> that's my new favorite punchline from you. Oh, and a God. girl came to meet me on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> Super weird. What a weird It was a different time. It was a different time for all of us. So now our guests have heard the sweet dulcet tones of your voice, but I feel like Uh, you should introduce yourself to everybody and let them know what you do. Yes. So I'm Sam, Sam Chelberg. um, And I own a, I'm, I'm one of the, one of the owners of a, um, a coffee roasting business here in town called SK coffee. It's just my, my initials. My last name Chelberg is a Swedish KJ baby. KJ, you know it. Mm. Yep. Shelberi is, Shelberi. I guess, the correct Swedish pronunciation. Trying. Oh, Thank oh. you for getting it right, though. That is a very tough, the soft shell sound is yeah. very hard for American palates to be able to say it. Uh, it's, Wait, can I, hear the, can I hear the full proper pronunciation? Shelberi. See, that's so fun, especially for someone who, my last name, people say, is it a wad or a wad? And I say you could say either one because they're both wrong. It's awed. We've awed. never. Awed. When I grew up, we didn't tell people that because they're yeah. more likely to butcher it, less nope. likely to commit it to yeah. memory. Absolutely, but that's cool because I I love to hear that 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 yeah. exists. And yeah, probably we should make people pronounce things the right way, particularly like something like our names. But you know, the path yeah. of least resistance <laughs> yes. sometimes yeah. is easier traveled. <laughs> but you're right; it is tough that that like and like I'm no I don't know Swedish, but I will probably get into this. But my whole career path before going into coffee was actually classical music oh wow so i have like two master's degrees in choral conducting holy shit and and i you know took diction and like studied diction so like german i can't read a lick and understand it but i could speak the hell out of it i could sing the hell out of it that's Um, awesome and so i think that's been a little bit helpful yeah um and it's also been helpful in the coffee world too um just because like even when i'm trying to speak spanish which i don't really do right but when i go down to origin like i try to mimic as much of an accent as possible so it it sounds like i'm really trying instead of just like you know 
yo tango like just sounds like a midwestern i i I, yeah i try to embody it and are you are you on my team that the best compliment you can get is when somebody actually thinks that you're like a native speaker oh yeah yeah, that's that's all i want every time i travel anywhere i try to pick up enough of like the local (laughs) accent and pronunciation just so i can sound like i'm from there and if i could just fool somebody in one sentence yeah yeah and you know it's probably not a surprise if you knew what i looked like that when i did go visit sweden like people would just talk to me in swedish which i thought was it was really meaningful to me but it also could have had nothing to do with how i looked and they just i was in a small town i don't know who knows it's uh, it's 100 percent. like uh it's one of my favorite things about going to scandinavia is that like it's not like it's hard for me living in america as like a giant white dude to feel like there's other people that look like me but there's a difference when you're there, when you're, when you're like my whole bloodline on both sides is Scandinavian. And mm-hmm. so when you're there, you just start to see like features where you're like half of these people could be my relatives. Yeah. Like we just yeah. look that much yeah. alike. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's cool. I, I love, uh, okay. So I'm trying to gauge like 10 or two. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'd say it's probably certainly 10 or two, maybe baritone now. Yeah. Just cause I haven't been singing very much lately, but yeah, so I went, so just, we might as well talk about it. I'm right? a dork. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I love it. Quiet, I quiet dork yeah, student. I'm really excited. <laughs> I love that you love it. I miss it. Yeah. And I don't, like, it's, but I, so I went to my, I've been doing music for over 20 years. I'm 35, um, or turning 35 in less than a week now, but, um. Happy birthday. Young Thank in. you. Yes. December 26th, baby. It sucks, but it, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Um, but so, you know, I started playing piano at, at age seven. Um, I was pretty serious about it in high school. You know, I, t- I took AP music theory. I First of all, fuck you for having that yeah. class because we did Can not. We barely yeah. had a music program. Yeah. Well, yes, I was very lucky for sure. I had a super nerd and I was a percussionist. And my my teacher was a percussionist, so like I got a lot of like individual care in that, Amazing. and and it set me up to get a percussion performance scholarship um, at Concordia College Moorhead, which is a fantastic like liberal arts, but still almost like a conservatory vibe. And in fact, they used to have a conservatory, um, mm. so they kept the bachelor of music degree, but just sort of absorbed it into the wider liberal arts school. Um, so still the mentality, but dropped the conservatory name. And then I took a couple years off, worked in radio, actually. I worked for Minnesota Public Radio. I was uh, on the APM, the American Public Media mm-hmm. side, uh, classical shows, um, and helped produce a couple national classical shows and I say produce, I mean like really lowercase produce, like mostly, you know, uh, transcribing interviews and like editing interviews. Uh, but you were still a part of that John, oh. John D and Catherine T MacArthur fund. Oh, action. hell yeah. Let's dude. go. The, the Chubb yeah. group was hooking it up. That's right. Dude, I, it, it was so cool. Yeah. Like I didn't think I was going to get a job in music because I studied music theory, comp, composition and philosophy. Like, all my colleagues were music ed yep. majors, right? So they were, like, going off and getting music teaching jobs. I'm like, what the fuck? What am I going to do? Like, I'm a 
what am I? I don't even know. <laughs> so the fact that I, I got a job within a week Amazing. of graduating and it was just this like totally luck of the situation where I had been nervous about getting a music job. And so about midway through the years, so like around this time of back in like 12 years ago, um, I was just frantically emailing places. I was, I was emailing, uh, orchestras around the country thinking like maybe they needed research fellows for their you know program notes and I got a hold of somebody in the classical department at NPR and they're like oh you know we don't have anything now but like maybe in the future and that's the line I got from everybody, everybody else right and then a week before I graduated he emailed me and was like hey uh are you still looking for a job because something came up it's like this temporary but full-time internship, paid internship. And they're like, but really it's temporary for now. It's like maybe the summer, four months, whatever. Like, are you down? I didn't, I like moved back to the cities without even knowing if I got the job. And I walked in and I got the job. Like there was no interview. Amazing. Like, like, later I realized the guy I worked for was like really desperate to fill this position. It had nothing to do yeah. with my qualifications. He was leaving for Germany for it two weeks. Foot in the door. Yeah. And he was just like, you looked me in the eye and uh, shook my hand nicely and like were articulate. So yeah, I figured you could do the job. Amazing. And I didn't even meet with him. Like I left and I came back the next day and he was in Germany. And I like yeah. had to figure out how to do everything myself. I like taught myself how to do pro tools. I taught like all that shit. Wow. It was so fun. So fun. And I got to meet like, dude, just like create, you were talking about Dessa earlier and hanging out with her in, in New York. Like I, I met Dessa when she was like rising. Mm. And in fact, uh, the guy I worked for, Michael Barone, used to babysit Dessa. Really? When she was a little girl. <laughs> she came in and he goes, Oh my god. And and that's not her like birth name, right? Well just she is it? No. I, I, I don't know what it is because he said, Oh, that's and it wasn't yeah. Dessa that he said. Yeah. And I was like, Oh no, that's Dessa. Mm. And he's like, Oh yeah, I know. I But he knows her from I, I know her from life. when she was like in diapers. I was like, dude, you're a crotchety old like bearded man how do you know dessa like that's the coolest yeah. thing that's like the idea that the crotchety old man was also a babysitter yes i know <laughs> like great. like lana del rey came in one time like i got to sit in on an interview with steve reich who was like wow. literally my favorite he wasn't in studio but he was in new york and we did one of those like yeah. you know studio to studio things but to hear him like live and unedited and like just talking small talk was blew my mind. I mean, it was the coolest thing. Then I moved to Boston. That's when I started to really get into conducting. And I went to the Boston university school of music and studied with a woman named Ann Howard Jones, who was, it is still very famous. She doesn't teach there anymore, but she was the assistant conductor for Robert Shaw at the Atlanta symphony orchestra for like two decades. Damn. And she built the Boston university program. Shit. Um, and so I got to study with her for the last couple of years of her tenure there. Uh, and then I moved to England and studied with this like knighted 
choral conductor over there for a year um, through the University of Birmingham, but we also it was kind of like a fellowship with the uh, Birmingham, uh, the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra, which is a full-time professional orchestra, um, and he ran that chorus, so we got to prepare... Like, I helped prepare Mahler 2 for radio broadcast, like Poulenc, Gloria, Mahler 8, uh, Beethoven 9. That's so wild. So cool. I even got to sing in the Chichester Psalms. I was the tenor soloist in that quartet in Bernstein's yeah. Chichester Psalms. We were hired, the choir was hired to go perform with the Manchester symphony orchestra whoa and it was a bbc radio 3 live broadcast and no. i got to, i was like singing solo like i like i'm telling you this because not as like a dude look at how cool i am no, that's i was fascinating. like yeah. how the hell am i getting into these like scenarios it was i'm like a little white midwestern boy the son of a lutheran pastor and i'm like <sighs> soloing that's so on crazy. the BBC? Yeah. Like singing in the Birmingham Cathedral that has like a 300 year history of a like a the proper like boy choir like Church of England situation. Like we yeah, it was so cool. And then I moved back to Boston and was like I actually don't want to do music anymore. <laughs> um and then that's kind of when the coffee started. Sure. And it's been just a long you know, six, seven year road since then. I'm, I'm sorry to talk. No, I'm, I'm, I'm on, on record as a total choir dork. And I'm so jealous of that. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to do two weeks through Europe and we got to sing in the cathedral where they got married in sound of music. And we got to do a full concert, uh, on St. Mark's Piazza in Venice. Cool. Um, and that was, that was just amazing because all I could think about was like, how many thousands and millions of feet have walked this? Yeah. Uh, from on doing everything from a religious pilgrimage to just seeing the world. And it was just, it was impossible to not like feel that inside of me. But when you get to go to some of those old cathedrals and really that were built to carry the human voice farther than anything at that time yeah. could, there's a, there's a different level of like soul humming that goes on inside yeah. of me, whether I'm singing or not just to be just to be in that and i played piano i played guitar uh i dj'd for 20 years that something about the human voice in chorus together there's a different movement inside of me that happens from that because there's no other instruments for, you know it's just you. like for, from a sociological and like musicological perspective like it it makes sense that so many religions have choruses yep. like it is an it is a religious experience what whatever you're singing like mm -hmm. most of the guys it was a fully professional cathedral choir so it's like it's classic british for those that, that that don't know the classic church of england scenario is alto tenor bass are all paid men historically that's changing now and then the trebles the soprano line is boys mm -hmm. and that also is changing now but that's been the historical situation and that was the situation f that i was in and all the alto tenor bass are all professional men right um so sight reading is like we were doing four services a week even song which is 
a mass, a full mass, uh, motet, usually two or three, mm-hmm. plus the Magnificat and Nunc Dimittis. It's a, you know, it's a it's a Latinate text that ha- has to be done in the Church of England even song. It's like in the com- Book of Common Prayer. Um, so like sight reading was just like, boom, like so, so good. Why? Oh, I mentioned this because almost all of the men were atheists. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know, not a single one of us was like actually worshiping <laughs> in the, you know, like mm. none of us, mm-hmm. but, but when we were there, it was, you could tell that everybody was just transcended. Yeah. There's a different reverence yeah. that goes on. Yeah. 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 Okay. It, yeah. God yeah. or no God, like it, it's something else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the human spirit. It's something yeah. you can believe in. I mean, it, literally, I mean, there's science. Something everyone can do, yeah. Yeah. hopefully. There, there's science to it, too, that I, I can't say really exactly what it is, but, like, how voices interchange and, like, harmonic overtones, they they ring in your body. Mm-hmm. Like, as you're tuning and stuff, and, like, it, it, it literally touches you. Mm-hmm. It's moving through your body. Your voice is, like, your body is your instrument. It's it's beautiful. I love beautiful. it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's the only instrument you carry with you everywhere you go. Yeah. So, Sam, speaking of religious experiences, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about SK Coffee? Yes. yes. Yeah. A religious experience every day. In your cup. My, yes. <laughs> God in cup. God in cup. Actually, I think there God is cup. there is a book <laughs> called God in a Cup, I believe. Don't okay. quote me on that. When but. CJ Porterborn was on the show, he was talking about the God Cup, like oh. the cup of anything you have that makes you realize yes. yeah. that the God of whatever that thing is exists. It gives you that, oh. right? Yeah. And, and he was obviously talking about it, referring to coffee, and we talked about, like, I think this is the case for many people, but, like, an Ethiopian natural that has, like, a blueberry characteristic. I remember the first time I had that, that mm-hmm. was the God Cup for me. Yeah. But uh, you guys are doing a lot of incredible work with a lot of nuance and also some surprising flavors that Koji ferment that I had when yeah. I came in that, that you served to CJ and I, when we came to hang out at um, your St. Paul location a couple weeks ago with like those <clears throat> undertones of like cheese, like the yeah. fucking savoriness. And then also going back to when I had first met you and you made me the lemongrass uh, yeah. Colombian. Yeah. And you said, I, I famously remember you saying this because it was very illuminating. You said, have you ever had a cup of hot coffee that was refreshing? No, mm. it's like, yeah. you're fucking right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So well, tell us a little bit about what, you, yeah. what you're up to, some of the things you're working on right now and, yeah. and where people can find you, even though we'll cover more of that later as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just to go into that a little bit more and to really touch back on what we were talking about with Maker's Mark, like that idea of, you know, it's the same, you know, mash that's going into the same charred American oak barrels, like, uh, you know, although wait, this is, this isn't bourbon. It is bourbon. Yep. Still, still charred American oak. So yeah. So you're right. You know, it's all the same stuff, but where it's placed in the, uh, Rickhouse, Rick House, yep. not rookery. That's where owls hang out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or nefarious things happen in castles. There you go. Yes. <laughs> so murder in the rookery. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, coffee is the same way, um, and maybe even in some have argued that it's more nuanced than wine. I I don't really. It doesn't. 
bother me whether or not it is, so I don't really care. But mm-hmm. it's extremely complex. Mm-hmm. And our we are trying to create a business that is not trying to sell you something we necessarily make, but we are curators of an experience, essentially. I mean, of course, we roast and brew and all that stuff. But, like, I I would say if if someone asked me what my main skill is, you know, in coffee, it's my nose and my, my palate. And not because I'm an amazing super taster that, like, I can taste every note. That doesn't matter to me. It's, like... I love and am inspired by identifying and exploring Mm. unique profiles and finding those and being able to coax the the most out of everything that we're able to get. Um, Famously, we don't blend. Um, Blending is a whole nother skill set that I, many, many other people do really, really well and has been done for centuries frankly and so we choose not to to go into that because this idea of exploring super unique micro lots is not done very very frequently frankly it's not done that that often and and i mean this kind of objectively but we're really trying to do something that i'm just not really seeing around the country Mm -hmm. um Sorry. Yes. You're gonna say yeah. no. You. I mean, you and I had a conversation about yeah. this when we first met. That we're primed for that. I think culturally, absolutely, we're on the precipice of people having uh, wine-like interest in coffee because we've seen that happen with things like the bourbon in our glass or with wine for centuries, and uh, more recently things like beer or cider or mead. Uh, I think people are finally that curiosity is being perked up mm-hmm. in regard to. Why does my coffee taste like this? Where to come from? What's the elevation? Who's the farmer? How is it picked? How is it dried? Uh, how did you roast it? Um, you know, what is the size of the lot? Can I access this all the time? Yeah. People are starting to ask those questions, and it's. I had told you, I think that you're on sort of the you're on the the front end of that wave that is about to crest because more people are going to be asking the questions that you can already answer. And not a lot of people are poised to do that. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, I have, I have, I love all of my, you know, lowercase C competitors and my colleagues in, in the industry. A lot of them early on a couple of years ago were like, essentially like you're crazy. Like what, what are you doing? But I'm telling you, like people are buying $45 bags of coffee. Yep, yes. Like we are expanding. You're sitting with yeah, two of them. Like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> like, and myself included, yep. like I'm just an app. Like I, I am the avatar of, of the, of the customer that we're trying to find because like, right. I know people like myself exist. Yes. And I, I can't find it. So I'm like, I want to create this. Right. Sure. And like, yeah. It, I, so, it, well, to, to, to jump off that, though, I think we have, like, venerable proof in every other consumable thing, right? Like, I have, I have friends that I adore that just want to drink Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. That's it. Like, that's, they know what it tastes like. It's always going to taste the mm-hmm. same. That's what they go for. I'm mad at it. I'm not mad at that. I'm just like, hey, I'm going to try every new thing. 
every now and then if there's a wine I really love on a menu, I'll get it. But most of the time, I'm going to get something that I've never had before that's from a region that makes wine that I like. Mm-hmm. But I want to try and figure out the differences and I want to poke around um, with food. We have people, there are chains of restaurants across this country and across the world that specialize in making something that will taste the same wherever you go. And people find comfort in that and find happiness in that. And if that's you, fucking rad. Good for you. You yeah. found a thing that you like and awesome. you just want to do that. Right. I want to try the weird-ass little diner, the restaurant that probably shouldn't be open. I want to try everything on the menu mm-hmm. to try and figure out, like, what else is out there? Like, yeah. what else is left to taste? We... We have room for that in coffee, and we've definitely established the places that are making the same thing wherever you go, but we're just now, I think, finally starting to see a little bit more ubiquity in really cool places where, hey, Starbucks can still have a line out the door, but you can have a lot of people in your cafe drinking interesting, crazy, cool things. And and, and they are. And there was, so I was a, um, there's this organization, this this connects, so bear, so bear with me. But there's there's an organization that's I think like associated with the Specialty Coffee Association, which is now a global uh, organization. Yeah. It's called Rico, and Rico is essentially the it's like the the TED Talk of the coffee world, cool. and it happens right before the SCA Global Expo here in the states. And it's like the first three days are Rico, and then it blends right into the rest of the expo. This is in April in Chicago. Yep. And so Rico is specifically for, like, executives and super nerds. So it's like, it, if you're paying full price, it's like $1,200 to attend. The rest of the expo is like 300 right? So it's like just lectures, tastings, but it's all super nuanced about the agricultural product of coffee and the market. Not about the showboaty, you know, latte art throwdowns and barista championships and all mm. the cool equipment. It's about the coffee as a product. So, I was a Rico fellow. I I was a I won a fellowship uh, back in 2020. So it was virtual, which sucked because when it's in person, it's like so freaking cool. But uh, so one of the major Uh, conversations that year was this idea of the intrinsic value of coffee and the extrinsic. And that's, it's sort of a a weird way to describe essentially, should we be marketing and leaning more into just the profiles of coffee or the story behind the coffee? And in my mind, they're inextricably inextricably linked. Like, what do you mean? Like, the cup is the story because the story is the cup. Yep. Like, so I like to lead with the profile because that's something you immediately can get. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, oh yeah, this is grown by, you know, uh, Oscar and Francisca Chacon at Las Lajas Micromill mm-hmm. in Alajuela, Costa Rica, that means nothing to you because you don't know who they are. But if I said to you, I know who they are. Hey, okay, well, you do. Yes, you, yes. <laughs> Just made me think of how much I want to go back to Costa Rica. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm going there for the first time. Actually, to go hang out with the Chacon family. I'm oh, telling you, yeah. man, you're going to fall in love. I, I can't wait. But I can say to you, like, hey, have you ever tasted, like, lavender, peach, and pine in a cup before? Like, 
taste this. Well, do you want to know how this is produced? Well, there's this amazing family called the Chacones. You know, uh, Oscar is like the, the farming expert and Francisca is the processing expert. And combined, they have this amazing micromill with five different farms that are producing out of this micromill. And they're able to explore all these different varietals. And part of the profile is because of the varietals. So now you're talking about the profile. And through the profile, I've already just in the last 30 seconds talked about place, people, process, and varietal, Mm -hmm. which is something very few people know about. And that's not their fault. It's because we have been groomed in this marketing venture in coffee to not talk about the most important things about this industry. And the thing is, part of why some of my colleagues thought I was crazy is like, they just don't think people care. Right. And I'm like, I think you, they do though. They don't, they don't know to care because they don't know. It's like the first chapter of a fantasy series and you don't say who the main characters are. You just say what they do. Yeah. It's just missing. Yeah. They, they don't know to care. They, they don't know to care, but additionally, they they're primed to care like you know like if we walked outside i bet if we interviewed 10 people i bet eight of the 10 have used wikipedia at some point in the day which to me tells tells me that people want to know stuff and we have access to know stuff so easily we i mean in my adult lifetime i remember this same argument about people won't pay $4 $4 for a cup of coffee because they can get a 50 cent cup of coffee at the diner. Mm-hmm. So these coffee shops that are popping up all over is a, yep. a fad that's going to wax and wane. Like <laughs> I get that it's, it's, it's risky and it's scary to be on the forefront of something, but the way that people try to tell people not to be, it's, it's just sad Yeah, because Hey, it's okay to be first. You just have to be prepared for that. It's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. And you know, we, uh, you know, just to just to put our business, uh, you know, and what we're doing into context too. Like, of course, you know, we're, you know, standing on what's the saying? Like, standing on the backs of shoulders giants of giants. And, yeah. yeah, and like, of course, there are people. Like, we are not, uh, we're not innovating anything that it, we're not going from zero to one here. It's just simply that right now in the Midwest market, really. Unless I'm unaware, nobody is doing what we're doing. No, they're not. In right. the Midwest. No, they're not. Uh, and that's great. On, on the frequency that yeah. you're doing it, no. But we do have, obviously, like, groceries like JVC doing great work. But it's Fantastic. There are, there are variations. Growth. There are variations in what you do. Correct. What someone like a JVC or someone like an Onyx does. Because you're, you're choosing to exist only on that highest frequency, which people like me admire and seek out and when you know you and i had our first conversation and we were having a little business talk and i was bringing my like marketing mind to our conversation i was telling you that the people are here they just need to know where you are Mm -hmm. like they're they're looking around like the john travolta gift they're just like where where is the coffee that i seek and they're mostly looking on fellow drops they're looking elsewhere and having someone else notate to them yes, you want this $27 bag with $5 shipping, and they just click the number one on their text and say, yes, I do want that because you told me that I want it. But they're waiting for somebody, and not just in this particular marketplace. We have listeners everywhere. Wherever you come from, uh, there are 
people that are looking for that level of experience, they either don't know how it can be acquired or they don't know it exists at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> also to put a bow on, to, to make this a perfect circle, uh, when you go to visit the Chacon family, uh, Dessa has a song with our friend Matt Santos singing the hook on it called the Chacon. Oh, <laughs> bring it down! Awesome. Be like, we Heck got yeah. songs about you, man. Heck yeah! <laughs> it's a, it's Heck a sad yeah. song, so lyrically it might not work out, but it's very beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, and and to add to something you were saying, like it, it's um, shoot, I think I lost it. Oh, that that was it. You know, for for anybody who is listening that might be interested or is currently an entrepreneur or trying to start something like now is the time to lean into an, a niche. Mm -hmm. Like really it's For the sure. only way to survive. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I started this business and said, Oh yeah, of course we'll blend and we'll say yes to everything mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll sell the cheap, wholesale stuff. Yeah. Maybe we'd be on more shelves, but we'd, we certainly wouldn't be building a lot of loyalty. Right. For sure. I wouldn't be enjoying it. You have a translatable commodity and niches are great, but there's gotta be money in the banana stand. You know, like if you find a niche that has yes. an yeah. audience yeah. and then you can grasp them, that's relationship engineering one-on-one. I was having a conversation this afternoon while smoking a cigar uh, I don't want to keep us from getting into our topics too much longer, but I was having a conversation with a couple of gentlemen who were talking about the new sports bar, um, the owner, one of the owners of which will be uh, a future yep. uh, podcast guest. Late February. Um, called A Bar of Their Own, and it is the third sports bar in the United States that appeals strictly to women sports watchers. And one of the gentlemen said, that feels like it is um, excluding a big part of the community. And I said, well, I'm a man and I watch lady sports, but here's a question I have to ask you. Do you know where you can go and without fail watch a women's basketball game? If you want to watch the Lynx and you walk into a bar and there are other games on, can you point at the TV and say, put the Lynx game on with like uh, any sort of certainty that they're going to do that for you. That's why it's not a niche. It's worth pursuing that because this is a huge, yep. huge modicum of people in our community that want something like that to appeal yeah. to their basis selves and are going to have an opportunity now to have a place that is a bar of their own and, and pursuing those types of things. And like what you're doing with the coffee and, and others that are doing similar high frequency coffee exploration of like, the essence of what the bean can be that's that those are those are niches air quotes that are absolutely worth pursuing and I, we want to see more of that specifically i don't want to see all things for all people because we have it in spades it's everywhere we already know where to find those mm -hmm. things do you want to find a bar it's for everybody and we'll just play whatever the most popular game is on the tv they're fucking everywhere yep. do you want to find coffee that you know blends and then has like uh, some commodity profiles and things that are just like we can make 50 pound bags of this all day and it doesn't matter how much we sell you can find those and you can enjoy them too you can love Kim Crawford. And you yeah. Can love, yeah. You know, just your commodity yeah. Mexican no bean that is being used for cold press. But let us have some cool shit. For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, so you're yeah. absolutely right yeah. there, Sam. Yeah. It's, and it's something that um, people have to be really savvy to, to get on board with that notion before it's too late. Because we mm -hmm. have a tendency, especially in a market like this, we're a very also ran community and too many uh, business people start doing something when it's already too late. 
as opposed to being the first to do yep. it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheers you to be yeah. you know uh, on an avant garde uh, cutting edge of, of doing coffee stuff that I absolutely love. So cheers, cheers fellas. You're right about this, right? Still Some coffee's coming out as it dilutes. Yeah, like yeah. lots of yeah. cocoa. Yeah. There's the depth mm. of Maker's Mark, man. If it's been a little Ooh. while, like if you you know if you drank it a bunch, then you kind of got away from it. And you were chasing bourbon labels. Go back and drink some Makers. Drink some 46. For sure. Man, it's just delightful. And if you got a liquor store or a bar around you that has a a barrel pick, like talk to them about it. Because a lot of times somebody there is the one that chose that and they specifically picked the flavor. Let them tell you about it. Because holy shit, it'll open up your mind to something else. So cool. So, uh, topic number one. Sam, when you're knee deep in work, like it's just crazy. Uh, as of right now, what do you listen to while you're working? I almost exclusively listen to podcasts right now. It's not a sexy answer because no, that's all right. Or, or it's not well, the. I'm sorry to all of our listeners oh, out there. Yeah. That's a very oh. sexy answer. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, all yeah. sexy it's people. Sexiest. Avant-garde. It's the cutting edge. Exactly. Be like, <laughs> us. Be like us. You are niche. You are niche. <laughs> um, um, I guess w- uh, more accurately, it may not seem to be the obvious answer given my ex- my like experience with yeah. music, but I I just love learning about stuff. I love learning about stuff. Mm. So yeah, I listen to podcasts. I've been on like a political, uh, may not surprise many people, but kind of more on the progressive liberal side of things. So I've found several like. Uh, great podcasters who I think have really, you know, they are progressive, but have really wide minds that are just so smart. Um, and there's so much going on right now that like, I kind of just need a little guidance. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have like a new favorite you could recommend? Cause I'm sure, yeah. you know, a lot of people listening that maybe listen to the same stuff have some pods in common that they listen to. But do you have anything new that maybe you could recommend to listeners? Yeah, two recommendations, uh, kind of two and a half, because one of them is like one and a half where they are a now a pretty massive like media company called Crooked Media, yep. uh, Pod Save America, yep. Pod yeah. Save the World. Um, I listen to pretty much all of their podcasts. Um, Pod Save the UK, my, my wife is British. And so like I, and her whole dad's half the family still lives over there. And I want to know what's going on in England and they have a, a British show even, but they got an amazing, like, uh, it's this guy named John Lovett. And he was one of the four founders of Crooked Media. He was a former, um, uh, uh, speech writer for Obama and he's a comedian too. Uh, and so he does this like kind of wait wait don't tell me style variety show it's all live his podcast is all live but it's all politics and comedy and all the politics are wrapped in comedy he makes me so mad because when i was in college that is who i wanted to grow up to oh, be amazing. i literally went to college to be a political speech writer and then my hobby was like comedy writing oh my god and then i found this guy and it made me i couldn't listen to it for a while because it made me so mad because he was like living out the branch that i didn't take in my tree of growth he's living that he's life living it and uh. doing it so well is that why so you well. our production here 100 percent. because you're just like telling dick jokes and drinking whiskey just farts <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, his show is called Love It or Leave It. Yep. And it's just so good. The other one that's more serious, it's not c- comedy, and it's a little bit more on the kind of, you know, if you had the like nutritional pyramid of politics and <laughs> knowing, it's kind of probably more on the top. But it's a guy named David Pakman. He's this like kind of New England, Massachusetts, born, raised in- intellect. Um, and he he's a young guy, but he's just super, super smart. And he does a daily podcast. Um, and it's just him. And he's just, he mostly, his whole shtick is analyzing uh, media. Okay. So he's, he's super into media literacy. Um, okay. And so he's covering current events but it's through the lens of media the lens of you know what we what we hear what what is being written about this mm-hmm. thing and sort of his take on it or uh yeah basically his analysis of yeah. certain things and regardless of your political ethos it's an interesting time for that he actually has a lot of like he's I mean, a progressive no wonder it's bailey uh no wonder it's a daily pod yeah yeah there's a lot to yeah. talk about there's yeah. so much going yeah. on and he's it, you know, a lot of progressive media companies have found a niche of kind of shitting on Donald Trump and it's pretty easy and easy to do. And it's yeah. kind of like dessert for a lot of people. Sure. Um, and so he does a fair amount of that. So if you like that, uh, you'll definitely like the show. But a lot of, you know, conservative leaning folks who are maybe a little bit more like center right. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. True mega people do not listen to him right. to gain anything. They mostly hate listen. But sure. a lot of people center right listen because he he's just he's got a really good and and you know he's he's a Jewish American he's also from Venezuela so he's, oh sorry when when I said born and raised in Massachusetts I lied he was actually mm-hmm. born oh so he's gonna talk about you yeah shit sorry Coming for sorry you. Dave uh, <laughs> we're a part of the enemy media know, um sorry he he's Venezuelan um so he's like a native Spanish speaker. And uh, lived there for a long time. He grew up in in Massachusetts, so he also has that like upbringing as well. But um, it's just really interesting guy. So crazy. those are my two recommendations. Yeah. Does the gate swing the other way too? Because you know, there's there are other there's a lot there's a lot anybody can come under duress of that type of intellectualizing right now. Right. Does he? So does he talk about? only writer leaning stuff or does he talk about everything oh no yeah no he's yeah. there's a lot to evaluate for different reasons oh, yeah, yeah, for wildly absolutely. different reasons, absolutely of course you know but. he's he is he is actually an outspoken non-democrat yeah he votes mostly for democrats that's, because he could me yeah he couldn't yeah. he couldn't possibly see a scenario where he would vote for a republican right now for sure but i'm a humanitarian progressive i'm not a democrat yeah same i don't want to be a part of yeah. the dnc at all Actually, it's funny. He might actually call himself. He's a he's a social democrat, not a democratic socialist. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people will criticize him because they're like, "Oh, you're a Bad socialist." Word. He's like, "No, no, I am a socialist dem- or a social, social democrat. democrat." Okay. Okay. Um, anywho, it, it might he, it might be a little subterfuge too. It's like I have to say I'm an atheist, not an anti theist. Right. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Anyway, anybody who listens to him, you can correct me if I'm wrong on sure. any of these points, but yeah. Charles, what are you uh, in, in the workflow? The easy and boring answer that no. Tom is certain to hate is that, no, if you're saying I'm like in the oh, yeah, yeah. things, I listen to nothing and I can't listen to anything. That's right. Like nothing, nothing at all. Like the more, like the heavier fire I'm facing with the work that I do because it requires 100% of my brain. 
I, that's when like even instrumental stuff's just got to be off mm-hmm. uh, because it is in order of, you know, like the mundanity of what I'm doing. If I'm doing something that is sort of repetitive, um, I can listen to pods, right? And if I'm doing something that is, you know, it takes a little bit of brain power, but is somewhat repetitive, I can listen to music with lyrics. And if I'm doing something that takes more brain power than that, I can listen to instrumental music. If I'm doing something where I need to be all pistons firing, I don't listen to anything. I need a quiet room. Uh, I mean, in theory, I understand that, but I don't understand that. For sure. No, I, I feel you. Uh, it's, yeah, it, and it, I'm not saying that anybody that does the types of things I do for a living is the same way. I'm saying that uh, I'm that way. And if anyone's like me, I would connect with them in that way. Now, if we're talking about like what I'm listening to when I am doing a little more free flowing, relaxed stuff, there's like a new single from job for a cowboy. One of my favorite bands they are finally putting a new album out after 10 years. That's been fantastic. Um, and is another great like noise metal noise core band that I love that recently put on a new album. Uh, I want to dap up Chef Porter. Yeah. I'm listening to his stuff. That record's so good. Awful lot. A couple episodes back. Please check out his episode if you haven't. And like his, his music is great and it appeals to me. That's stuff that I listen to. Facts. So those are, those are a few examples of things that, that I've been listening to. The new Baroness record. There's another one just to mix it up a little Baroness bit. Baroness is fucking rad. So I've created sort of a weird echo chamber because I will admit if I'm doing something that requires me to be writing uh, a lot, I, I can't do podcasts because I'll catch myself sure. like writing words that they're yeah. saying. Yeah. And that just, that causes too much chaos. Yeah. But as I've, I've done some career shifting this year, um, I finally created an Ouroboros of, uh, <laughs> I listened to, uh, music history podcasts, uh, usually interviewing people or talking about like breaking down songs, um, shows like Song Exploder where they break down every single stem um, and how they put it together and they interview the artist. Uh, there's a show called One Song where two DJs slash music producers um, actually just get the stems and then they, they pull the song apart and then they put it back together so you can see how it all works. And then um, Questlove Supreme is probably my favorite because they go long format with the artists deep diving on their careers. And for me, I love like if I'm doing something mundane, like you were saying, Charles, that takes my brain right out of it where I'm just happy because I'm all of the music I'm familiar with. Like I know the songs, but I don't know how it was made or what was going on. And if you're listening like Questlove, they'll talk straight down to like what kind of drum machine they were using, what kind of bass it was, what was the amp, mm. what room were you recording in? And then the flip side of it with like song exploder and one song is one of the things that that's hard for me sometimes is trying to find the little bells and whistles in the background of a song that you don't even realize maybe are there, but create the fullness of the sound that you're hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I hear the the lyrics of the vocals first and then probably the rhythm section second and then the guitar keys third and then everything else sort of falls in. When you can pull everything out, you can hear every single guitar and what they're doing. It's fascinating how the, the depth of some of the songs that I would say I know by heart. Sure. Stuff I had never heard. So then the flip side of it is as I'm listening to these, I'm creating a little playlist of the songs that I'm hearing and now I can go back and listen to them. And now it's like, it's more rewarding for me 
because it's it's almost like you you complete the map and you beat the board and now you can go back in knowing everything and start it all over again mm. and that new appreciation right yeah it's i i have i have a few friends i have i have a private playlist uh that's just called um current private jams playlist? Oh, okay <laughs> it's just called current jams <laughs> and um I, I have a few friends that I've allowed to like follow it and they'll text me like, what the fuck are, what, what is this? Mm. And I'm like, Oh, well I just learned blah, 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 blah. And that's amazing to me. And I, now I hear the song differently. Mm. And anytime you can take, anytime you can make something old new again, I really dig that. And especially something like for somebody who's like a, a music savant, when you can, when you can help me hear a piece differently than I had ever heard it before. That's like the most rewarding thing. And so the nice part is sometimes with like brand new music, I can't listen to it while I'm working because I have to focus on like what's going on. I know these songs, but now there's just like little pops and bells and whistles that I had never heard before. And it makes it all the more enriching for me. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love that. And it's the only I guess outside of maybe listening to a cooking podcast and then making the dish they were talking about, I don't have that full circle experience. I just get to learn stuff and that's cool. Uh, before we started recording, I was telling you, Sam, about uh, a podcast I'm currently listening to about the stock market crash in 1929. It's fascinating and there's definitely some shit going on right now that reminds me a lot of what's going on. But like, I can't then go invest in the stocks during the crash that were really cheap. Like, I can't complete that. But with this, I kind of can. Yeah. I can learn something about a song and then I can go listen to it and my brain and my ears can hear it differently and process it differently. And That's I love really interesting. that. It's just, it's great. And there's so many more out there that are like that. There's a ton of incredible music podcasts going on right now. And it's just fun to get, to make old things new again. It's and, like what we were saying about coffee, trying to understand like where it came from and yeah. why and what mm-hmm. this piece means and why you hear that or why you taste mm-hmm. this. Yeah. That's totally it. Yep. Again, it's not for everybody, but I'm, <laughs> I am one of the knights who say niche. <laughs> niche, niche. Niche, niche. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm. All right, that's me. Okay, Sam, so I know that originally coffee roasting started as a passion project for you, then it grew to become a professional pursuit. What else do you love in life that you could see becoming an entrepreneurial pursuit for you someday? Mm. Um, it's interesting you bring this up right now because I think it's... Uh, it, I'm going to answer this and you can tell me if it sounds... I feel like it sounds ridiculous, but I really yeah. want to write. I really want to yeah. write. Um. And yeah, it'd be fun to make money writing, you know, like I don't want to just like write and never sell a book, but, but I told you earlier, like when, when we're talking about what I'm listening to, I, I truly, I love learning new shit. Mm -hmm. I love it. It it was actually kind of a problem growing up because I didn't know what I wanted to do like so many people, but it was like, oh, I, I'm going to be a poet or I'm going to be a radio producer or I'm going to be a conductor. I'm going to be a percussionist. I was a, I was a drummer too for, that's like my main instrument. And my dad wanted me to be a, a, he wanted me to play with Pat Metheny and tour the world with that guy. Like that was his dream for me. Mm. And I had that dream for a little while, but like 
point being I've kind of bounced around, but it's because I have this like brain that tends to like to like it, it's sticky. And so I stick to different things. And I think that the career I'm in right now with coffee and, and, and entrepreneurship is that there's so many aspects to what has to be done that my brain is actively sticky all day. Mm-hmm. So then when I go home, I'm like a little less kind of shiny object distracted. Mm-hmm. But I've recently been really keen on this idea of trying to write a book, maybe many throughout my life, because because I want what I'm missing is that academic uh, rubric of like structure for learning. And I don't have that right now, right? Because like, what, like, ugh, my learning for the coffee industry is very like a little bit ethereal and esoteric. It's a little, a little nebulous, yeah, more creative, yes, that pursuit, yeah, because it's like, mm. well, what, what is the end goal of this little piece of nugget of knowledge? It's like a lot of that kind of built into this fabric over you know, possibly decades, however long we end up going with this business. So, and I like that, but I think I want to reapproach that, yeah, con- like the, 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 the structure of learning mm-hmm. where there's, there's a beginning and an end. Sure. And it might take a year, it might take two years, but two years is more, it seems more, um, uh, t- t- uh, not not tantalizing. That's weird. Um, more manageable than like thinking about the learning I'm doing right now for two decades from now yeah. like in my business. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't even want to think about the end goal with my business because it's I don't even know when or if it'll end right. or how. Right? right. So that's that's maybe one thing kind of off the top of my head. Okay, love that. Yeah, and I'm really interested. I just thought of a topic that I might do. And maybe saying it right here and now. There you go. Force me to challenge yourself. I, I, naturally, probably about coffee, just because it's it's what I'm thinking about on the day to day. So it's probably what it'll be adjacent to at the moment. But I'm really interested because in music, when I was studying that, I was super keen on really, really, really contemporary music and really, really, really old ass music from like the 1400s. Um, A lot of years between that. And in coffee, it's kind of the same. I love this, like, what's right happening now. But also, like, do you have any idea how that shit moved around the world? It was a bunch of Sufi mystics from Yemen yep. moving back and forth from uh, the over the Red Sea, tra- like, moving this shit. It was, a, it was, an, it was a, an Islamic drink. It was right. an Islamic beverage. Yeah. And we have this super white idea of like what coffee is because it's like the thing that flavors are added to. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not what it was. Right, for sure. For the a long ass time. In the Arab world and in Africa. Yeah. It's it used to be called the wine of Islam. That was like a nickname for it. And I want to learn more about that. Absolutely. That's, That's rad. fascinating. Love that. Is well, it me? Yeah. What, I, what, what would I turn into a, if I could do something else as a business right now? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> not now, someday. Yeah, someday. I, there's still, 
I, I'm fortunate enough to uh, to be really close with a couple incredible directors, and we've made some really cool shit before. And there is a script that still remains unfinished. Film directors. Film directors, yes. And there is a script that remains unfinished that I was recently challenged by an old friend of mine who wrote or who read the very first version of it. Uh, was challenged me that 2024 I need to have it done, and. If nothing happens from it, nothing happens from it. But it's been looming. The original draft is, I think, 11 years old now. And it's just been sitting there because it, like, I love it. I still love the story. And that's what makes me happy. Have you looked at the script lately? Yeah. How do you feel about, do you feel like you would write it and approach it in a different way? No. uh, But the last third of it has to completely change. Okay. Uh, I was still... I was still angry at some the way that some things in my life had played out, and sure. you can see the way, you can see where I was, mm. like the way that it plays out. It, you can just tell that the author wasn't enjoying life, mm. and I don't. the The last note that I got was, I don't know why I should like this guy. Like it's entertaining, it's fun. There's some great lines. I like what you're doing, but like at the end of the day, the main character is kind of unlikable, and it was because I was writing like what I thought of myself at the time. And so now that I've had a little bit of time, now I'm not the same age as that character anymore. I'm not in the same life cycle as that character anymore. And now I feel like I have a little bit of of perspective to go back and change it. And so I actually started the rewrite last week and so that's the thing if even if i end up funding it myself if that ever gets filmed i will feel like that's something that it will make me feel incredibly grateful uh and if it's one of my two friends who direct movies for a living and i get to work with them that'll be even more sweet and we're all at this place now where we also can kind of afford to do like a little passion project and something fun, which is something I couldn't say, you know, 11, 12 years ago. So I think that's probably where, where I would say there's a number of other things that I've thought I wanted to do. And now that I've gotten a little bit older, I don't really want to do, I don't want to start a recording studio anymore. I enjoy going to them, but I don't want to have to run one. I don't want to have to deal with, everybody coming in and I don't want to schedules. Yeah. Schedules, all that shit. Like that was really fun. Like going out for cigarettes at three in the morning and then sleeping on the couch in the lobby. Like that was a great time when I was 25. I have no interest in that. And I definitely don't have any interest in coming in the next morning and having to clean up for the band that did that the night Mm -hmm. before. So it like, I'm kind of at this, like, like changing how I see the future stage. So that's the first thing that could come to mind where I think that would just give me a little bit of joy from the the completionist side of my brain that this has just been sitting there for so long. Like I've migrated this across four hard drives and three laptops and it still just sits there wow. and it's like, yeah, just fucking finish it. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's also, there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, like there's something comforting in the, the, the fact that it's still just like a living, breathing thing that I can go back to every couple of years and fuck with. Cause again, it makes me, proud that i got it to where it is but it needs to get done that is really cool i i inspiring yeah i hope so like i don't know it's it's like it's cool it's also fun to be like holy shit like i i wrote a lot 
Yeah, I want to see it. To, I want to see it come to fruition. Yeah, you've talked about it before to me, and yep. probably a little bit on the air too. I can't delineate between the two. But yeah, it's it's cool that like we're all interested in in writing, and we had a similar but different topic at one point when I said that someday I'm going to rewrite one of the two novels. That oh I've yeah. Written. Uh, which I think, I think I answered the same on that. literally yesterday I saw notes from we were like clearing some things out of storage and I saw like a million notes that I had about this world that I was developing and originally this novel was a script for an indie video game and then at some point that wasn't happening anymore and I decided to continue writing it as a novel and I was really just doing it as a hobby project because I didn't think I was going to do anything with it I had a friend like look it over and start to edit it a little bit. And she told me like, this is pretty fascinating. Maybe you should do something with it. And at the time I couldn't fathom that I could do anything with it. Right. And someday I'm, I'm going to pursue that um, a little more seriously. And now like self publishing and stuff like that is so much oh, yeah. more accessible. Oh yeah. So th- making that a goal, even for someone, uh, I don't need that to be, putting bread on the table so I can pursue it yep. freely and, you know, with the passion that it requires to see what it could be and not expect it to be a commercial success. Uh, just to jump off that, cause I do, now that you said that I remember us talking about that and I think I said the same thing then and it literally fell off my radar and I, I just want to take a, a sidestep to remind everybody like when your friends tell you about something and then it, it goes away Every now and then maybe ask about it because that was the script came back up into my brain because an old friend I hadn't, we hadn't talked like verbally on the phone in probably seven years. And, uh, we were texting about some music shit and she was like, Hey, I have this weird urge to call you. Like, do you just want to chat for like 20 minutes? And I was like, yeah, I'm literally getting in my car right now. Let's, let's chat. So she called and, and, and we were talking and, we, at one point in the two th- early 2000s, we were going to start a website that was based, uh, it was short, short stories and long form stories about um, either food, sex, or literature. And she was asking if I had written anything lately. And I was like, you know, just like random essays on my Facebook shit. Like I haven't really, I haven't written a lot because a lot of what used to be stuff that got stuck inside of me, we've talked about in the show. Like it gets, it gets out my need to like create words. And then out of nowhere, she was like, whatever happened with that script? And I was like, wait, what, which one? And she's like, the one you told me about. And then I was like, well, nothing. And she's like, Ben, just finish it. Just, I'm, I'm telling you as your friend, finish it. And it like lit a fire in me again. That's great. So yeah. sometimes just as a reminder, if you're friends with a creative, like sometimes give them a little nudge mm-hmm. because uh, you, at least I can't speak for anybody else's brain, but sometimes I also will be like, I mean, this is a, there's no time limit on this so I can do it whenever, but also I can, I can denigrate it and just be like, I mean, what's up? What are we even going to do with this? Just to add to that is like, first of all, I think it's cool that with your question, we all three of us (laughs) went in a, it's cool, like creative artistic direction instead of being like, you know, I got this app idea to like, <laughs> I'm going to make yeah. a cent off everybody's uh, credit card transactions. Um, but. Oh, off space. It, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so um, it's, 
shit. I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, no, it's I, I like the I like the fact that you were just pointing oh. out that we all chose artistic things instead yes. of like monetary yes. rewards. I'm I'm so sorry. I did find my train of thought, which is that creative sometimes because we see the 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 pinnacle of our industries so frequently and so and like non creative people see the pinnacle of our industries. I you want to write a novel like I, I grew up in academia, like seeing what a professor's like Harvard University press book looks like. Like you see what major film production yep. studios are producing. So it's like, we feel like it's not accomplishable. Because mm -hmm. like, who are you to write a novel? Like, who am I to write a, like, who are you to make a film? Right. But fuck that. Yep, fuck it. Like, sure. fuck that. Yeah, it is. I mean, because it's more of a funhouse mirror. Yep. You know, if you if you are looking at yourself in a funhouse mirror and saying like that can't be me, but we've all learned through various paths in our lives. I mean, I'm saying various for each of us that we can accomplish the things that we dream to accomplish. We've we've done. We have examples of that that we've laid behind us. We're already walking the yellow brick road, so it makes it seem less like. A, a banshee in the closet and more like an ever growing realistic possibility. Well, and we had, uh, we had, when we had Lizzie, uh, Loughlin Loughlin on the show, yeah. uh, or Molyneux, I Molyneux, guess, yeah. uh, when, when we had her on the show, she was, mm -hmm. I mean, she's literally like executive producing and creative or creator and writer of two massive shows on TV right now. And the entire time she's like imposter syndrome. The whole time we've been doing this, we just thought, there's no way that this is going to ever work. And I think you just always have to think that way. Yeah. <laughs> like sure. I'm doing this thing because I need to do this thing. It's a healthy amount. Not because I think I'm going to right. make millions of dollars. Very if you think you know everything, you'll never learn anything. Correct. That's why you need a healthy, you can't also just only doubt everything. Yep. Because that also is paralyzing. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cheers. Boop. Cheers. So, since we are coming to all of your ears live from smack dab in the middle of fucking North America, we're landlocked. This has been a very, very warm lead up to the Christmas holiday season, but we're going to get smacked at some point. So, when it drops super fucking cold, I want to know, what are you excited to cook? What's, mm. the, what's the, the fire hearth that sticks to your mm. ribs that's going to get you through one of those days where just walking outside makes your face hurt mm. and your nose freeze together? Ooh, that is a great question. Can I answer your question and then answer an adjacent question? Yes. Something else I'm really excited about when that, that weather please, drops? Please. Absolutely. We love digressions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's two things. One, I think I'm really wanting to, I love like, Himalayan food, like sure. North Indian food, Nepalian food, Nepal, Nep Nepalese, Nepalese, Nepalesean. What would it be? Nepalese food. Do we say Napoleon? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Nepal, ne Nepali, 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 Nepali. Nepali. Food from Nepal. Nepali. Food. Um, <laughs> love it. Like Everson Grand's one of my favorite. Gorka Palace. Oh my god. Gorka oh my god. Gorka yeah. Palace is, I think, one of my favorite restaurants. The treasure. Here. Yo, in, so in good. Minneapolis here. So good. Um, actually side note, my wife and I, we 
if one of us is feeling, it, it's like half a mile from our house. Okay. And if one of us is feeling it, we say to the other, we go, if you can guess what I'm thinking, we have to do it. And it, it's a hundred percent every time it's get Gorka Palace. Yep. Yeah. So we always wow. get Gorka Palace <laughs> because it's like, Hey, if you can guess what I'm thinking, we have to do it. I love that you schemed okay. the game yes. so that you're yes. just rewarded yes. with delicious food. entirely rigged <laughs> yep. so we can get Gorka Palace. But I want to, I want to explore making more like home Indian food. And sure. I think that those spices like help, help me in the winter. Give me a little life. I got sniped. I did too. Uh, what? <laughs> Sorry, so we're all just going to get the I will, same answer to every question. But I, I will share, I will share my recipe with you. All right. You should go because then oh, I'll, wait, I'll, wait. I'll switch mine. But I have to give you my digression, which oh, yeah. is the other thing. Yes. Which Let's is, I it. thought you were asking, going to ask, what are you excited just to do in the winter? Also that. Cool. And I have, I bought last year a very expensive fully wool union suit. Oh, yeah. You know, like with the asshole, like uh -huh. ass, not asshole, <laughs> the ass, door, panel. ass flap and yep, everything. Trap door. And I refuse to wear it <laughs> unless it's absolutely bitter cold. Sure. It's be and ass cold guess what? Door. I haven't freaking worn it yet. So oh, it's I'm time. really excited Let's go. to wear my union suit. Oh, yeah. I have eat some Gorka Palace. I have some Gorka Palace. Carhartt Sub Zero oh. chest high overalls, and it's my favorite thing. Oh, John Buck and I cooked in a good, good friend of the podcast and I cooked in negative 10 weather outside for two hours. And I, at one point I had to open up my coat cause I was too hot. Wow. It's so rad. It's wow, such a cool, cool feeling. That's a hot tip. I want to get those. All right, Charles, what are you, what, what you cooking? So it, it's on record. I talk about it a lot. I make a lot of spice blends of my own. Mm. My, my favorite Indian spice blend that I make is a uh, golden masala, or that's mm -hmm. what I call it anyways. Can confirm. Incredible. Yeah. Mm. And I make, it's a lot of work and it's the same, almost not, not quite, but it's almost the same amount of work to make a cup or to make like one of those giant ball jars full of it. And so I make the giant ball jar full of it. And I spend an entire Sunday basically making it, um, toasting the spices. And sometimes oh. you give your favorite co-host a bag of it. It's wonderful. And sometimes Why? I invite you and your beautiful wife over to uh -huh. have curry in my home. Delicious. But, uh, so I make curries and there's no, like making a curry for me with that golden masala, there are certain things that are persistent in each of those curries. It's going to be my golden masala spice blend. It's going to be some coconut milk. It's going to be some tomato uh, and some some broth, vegetable curry or vegetable chicken, beef, seafood, whatever. And then it's going over rice. Like yep. that's what's happening. Sometimes I'm doing chicken, sometimes shrimp, sometimes both, sometimes lamb. Are you making naan? I have not made my own naan. It's usually that's like the step where I'm getting it elsewhere. I would like, I would like to do it. So someday that'll become part of, part of the repertoire. I just made, so when you brought this up, like, it's not that cold, but it's cold enough. It doesn't have to be super cold. All I want is spice and spice, like spices and heat. When it gets chilly, if I feel chilly, it doesn't even matter how cold it actually is. Mm -hmm. And so my brain goes there almost instantly, just like the menagerie of all the different spices that are in that curry and then applying heat to it. And I just made one a couple days ago and I went vegetarian borderline vegan on it and i did firm tofu cauliflower uh peas green peas chickpea scallion ginger 
Um, what else is in there? God, it was a lot of stuff. Like I put, I just basically started grabbing stuff out of my pantry to make this like give me, huge give me, pot give me, give me, give me. Of, of this beautiful golden curry. And it ended up, what's funny is I made rice in my rice cooker. And then when I, and it's when you cut up firm tofu and you put it in something brothy, it, they, they blow up. Oh, yeah. It's like the little dinosaurs that we got as pills when we were mm-hmm. kids. If you're our age. And uh, so that started to drink up a lot of the broth. But then what I did when I had the leftovers is it's a great way to sustain your rice and not have to worry about like bringing it back to life is I'll just dump it in the pot. And when we took it out of the fridge the next day, it had essentially become like a curry goulash because the rice drank up everything and the pot was full to the rim. Oh my So we've God. been just tearing that up for the last three days. It's been every the meal. Best rice bowl uh, ever. Yep. And I'm, I'm not getting sick of it. Nope. I just, Heat that up and then, you know, put whatever hot sauce or chili flake, anything just to like bring some more heat to the party. And that's just like life sustaining when it's chili and you have those spices and the heat, your nose is a little runny, your forehead's a little sweaty. And then just like the way like the back of your neck tingles when you mm. taste like the cardamom and the cumin, it's just the perfect food for cold weather and i know a lot of people eat it when it's hot hot outside i do that too it's just two different sensations completely totally. yeah. um i just have to say it's criminal that i sniped that from you because yeah. that was poetry and i definitely <laughs> wait for one more my own fucking spices that's cool yeah, it's I'm, actually technically I'm inspired. I want to put it on record, and I've probably said it before. It's a friend's father who's Sri Lankan gave me the bones of that blend, and then I added and removed things. I put a lot more cardamom in mine, and I use green cardamom pods, which I grind which all the way down so after closing. So, like, mine's different, but it actually is derived from because I called it Indian, and that's super functory. It is technically like Sri Lankan. Sri Lankan. Mm-hmm. So. I want to say just to just to give a little bit of diversity to this. I'm going to say there there's there are two answers I was going back and forth on, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit that daily double. I'm gonna say them both so that we at least have one thing that's from somewhere else. Okay. I am really proud. I my my chicken broth is to a point where I'm I'm in love with it. Mm. I can make it without thinking now. We roast a chicken on a pretty regular basis at our house, and as soon as we're done, we pull the rest of the meat off, and that goes right in immediately. And then I, I make stock in a pressure cooker, which is actually technically broth, because I season it. I put in everything. I want it to taste like the best chicken broth you've ever had. And then I put it in delis, good to go. Uh, thanks to a couple of wonderful delis that we have here in town, I can buy chicken schmaltz, and I love making matzo ball soup. Uh, I make it non-traditionally. Uh, I make the, the, the actual matzo balls very traditionally, but I add a little bit of uh, roasted garlic powder and toasted onion powder to the actual matzo ball, so there's a little bit more flavor to it. And then when, so you have to simmer the matzo balls in the broth for about 20 minutes before you can serve it. I also then throw in an entire handful of dill fronds and then slice up a jalapeno and then serve that as the soup. So you have this bright, fresh dill with this beautiful underlying fresh, fresh pepper hot. And then you get all of that joy of drinking up this beautiful golden mm, broth. Pho, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's like trying to, trying to make it like the most comforting thing when it's cold out. 
but the answer that I was leaning on until we got to this point <laughs> is uh, I ran into a friend, an old friend that I've known since college who grew up in Southern India and then basically slowly moved every few years across Europe, eventually moving to Minnesota and has been here ever since. And we were both talking about our affinity for uh, sweat under the eyes, sweat <laughs> behind your ears, sweat down the back of your neck, lamb or goat vindaloo. And mm. I do it, it's, it's basically, it's almost a dry dish the way that I do it. It's a really, really hearty, super spicy spice rub on cubes of meat and you slow cook it so they're super soft and you serve it over rice. He was like, my guy, I basically make like an oxtail gravy and then that's what, that's what I cook the, the lamb in. And now this has totally changed it. So now I can have like a viscous gravy that's as spicy as the vindaloo that I make. And then that's my hope is that then when it all goes into a dish, that then all the rice soaks that up yeah. and you just have spice in every bite. Like I want to kind of see colors a little bit when I'm near the end of the dish. Like I'm wondering if I might want to tap out, but no, I got to keep eating because the only way you can tamp the spice do down is to keep eating. Okay. I have two questions. Mm -hmm. One, is it possible? So, for this is this is selfish question. For my birthday every year, we usually do like an event. Mm -hmm. That's like what I ask for from, and my parents usually will like pay for my whole family to do something. This year, we're all going up to the lake. Actually, just like you're doing too for Christmas. Um, and my idea was to make a dish, mm -hmm. and I bring this up because is it possible to process like create like could i create my own spice mix like roasting spices and stuff in one day and still use it to for a dish like for dinner for example yeah are you saying like could it grinding the spices and yes, using it, them later yeah yeah or, or my, that day yeah oh, absolutely okay it's the yeah, best absolutely. time to use it okay sure, that's as fresh as it's gonna so be. it's not like this is a 48 hour process no. It, it's not. Well, so I the acquisition of the spices and having them the equal amount of freshness is actually the best thing you can do. And if you can get them all in one place, which we can, we have a place called Penzi's. Mm -hmm. Every spice I use is now, it didn't used to be, there were a couple of things that were not available there. Now, every single thing I use is at Penzi's. Correct. And it's fucking expensive because you need to get like a lot of, a lot of bags of very expensive ingredients, like the aforementioned green cardamom pods. But when you get them of equal freshness and you toast the whole spices at the same time and you grind them in a small coffee grinder or a big coffee grinder, however you like to process and grind your, your spices and then consolidate them into a pot, make sure they're like properly homogenized, fucking the second I'm done, mm -hmm. I'll, almost without fail, the second I'm done, even after having been doing that for hours, I'm at least going to season a a piece of protein with that and saute it in a pan mm -hmm. just so I can have that right at that moment. So the answer is not only yes, but prefer preferably yes. Yeah, and yeah. the spices are so great that it, it has great shelf life mm -hmm. because they're such fragrant and pungent spices that it's another reason I'm not afraid to make such a large batch. But it's never going to be as good as the fucking the second year done. Correct. My follow-up question is... I love the sweat under the eyes, the seeing colors. My spouse, 
Told you she's British. <laughs> she does not. Um, not historically. And I am an odd Midwestern Swede boy, mm-hmm. Lutheran, by the way, too, well raised. Uh, but is there anything that I can do that is meets in the middle? Yeah. Yeah. So this, we all, we yep. all live in that same sphere yep. because we all, like, for everything I make, I either have, like, low to middling heat or i just leave it out and then add it you'll back add later it if you want it okay this curry blend uh is so fragrant and pungent that it can read as a little bit spicy but there's nothing spicy in it but what you can do is use uh, to your to your taste hot sauce you know grind up some piquin chili powder use some chipotle powder use red chili flakes. It's sort of a choose your own adventure at that point for the way that you want to apply some okay. heat to it on the back end. Cause yeah, I'm, you know, we're, I think we're all the same way where we want to have like tears running down our face because it's so beautiful. We were talking about a chef Porter's episode that when you're talking about like Indian Sri Lankan, like that style of food, Nepalese, that style of food or Thai food or, or Chinese food in particular, it can take so much heat because the flavor cuts through because of the amount of like mm-hmm. spices that are being utilized. So that's why when it's the middle of winter and I want to go crazy with capsaicin, you need something that can stand up to it. And a curry like that stands up to it. Well, okay. and the same thing for the vindaloo that I was talking about. The I, This isn't a spice blend that you make ahead of time. This is you doing it in the moment. And all of the heat comes from like Thai chilies or bird's eye chilies and dried chilies de arbol. So what you can do is just, either keep those out or just do a little bit and then you can throw that into your dish at the end. Okay. It will, it will okay. absolutely kick it up. Heck yeah. I am reassessing what I'm doing on my birthday. That I will, I will, when we're done, I will send you my Vindaloo recipe. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, it's, and then again, just judge it as you go with the heat. But like Charles just said, all of those flavors just come through so wonderfully that to me, I like the heat because it provides a balance to everything. Now you're really getting like every single knob is turned up. But if somebody didn't want the heat, it still tastes incredible. Awesome. So you're solid. This is great. When are you leaving on this adventure? Uh, Monday. On Monday? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, if it's after next Tuesday, I might be meeting at (laughs) your St. Paul location with CJ and I would bring you some. I'll still try. I'll see if I can find you and I'll bring you some. Oh, cool. Like a whole pot I did. And the whole pot that I made that, as ever mentioned, is like heaping, like spilling out of the sides of this giant uh, cast iron pot. I use three and a half tablespoons and it is really present. So I can bring you a little, a little bag. Sneak down the alley. Hey, what's we'll up? Hey, what's we'll up? You got the you, you want the shit? Let me I got okay. the shit. I'll, yeah, I'm gonna t- I'll try to, I'll try to connect with you because it's so much work. I would rather just give you some because I have like ten cups left. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Also makes well, an a bag incredible of coffee in it for you. So yeah, you know, all right, makes yeah. a super incredible addition to a rib rub as well. Ooh. FYI. Oh. Hey, that's my friend Carrie's old move. A little curry and everything. Ooh, what huh? about? Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. What about a brisket? Oh, absolutely. <sighs> Get out of here. My They're, dad loves smoking brisket. Yep. So we'll Dude, name it. Put too. a little curry in it. Yep. Like uh, my friend Carrie would make uh, creamy chi- chicken, chicken wild, wild rice. rice. Soup, yep. And she'd put a little curry in it. And it, everybody who tries it says, what is that? So I do it with a lot of things. Just <laughs> as an 
extra additional, probably unnecessary ingredient, but it's just that little, that menagerie of those floral spices, like those, what we call baking spices here in the Midwest. It just adds an extra layer of flavor that was not already present. You know where it's going in? I'm putting it in the fucking matzo ball soup. Fuck, why not? Oh, let's go. Like, I've so never thought you, about that. That would be so amazing. Good. That's it. That's it. We're doing it. All right. Uh, I think I think we should cheers and it's... It. Oh, yeah. Boom. Cheers Boom. to curry. Cheers. <laughs> all right, so we all have an other half. Who's your other other half? Okay. Well, I have two. So my business partner, Nate, we were not friends. Not, we weren't enemies. We just didn't know each didn't other. Didn't know each other? Okay. We just didn't know each other. We met through, we met through uh, my friend who was a musician, and I was looking to, you know, when I moved back from England, I was looking to kind of get out of the music world and, like, pursue some kind of entrepreneurial venture. But everybody I knew was a musician, so I went on LinkedIn and I was like, okay, who do I know that has like a first connection or what are the like connection things you can search, right? It's like, who do I know that has somebody that they know that's in business mm. or something? Like who's, who's one degree away from yes, me? Yes, exactly. Must not be in music. Who, yes, yes, who could introduce me to somebody not in this industry? Charles, I would yeah. never watch that movie. That, that rom-com, I would never fucking watch. <laughs> Must not be in music. Get out. <laughs> Sorry. No, so so my friend Jennifer, who is a fantastic singer, she lives here now. She's in vocal lessons and stuff. She's amazing. Um, and she has a sister named Lauren, who is like this super high-powered consultant. And I was like, dude, Jennifer, will you connect me with your sister? Like, I'd love to ask her how to, I don't know, do that i don't know not mm -hmm. what i'm doing mm -hmm. and so she did and i was like lauren can we talk i'm jennifer's friend and she goes yo i would totally love to but i'm about to leave for china for three weeks for work as literally does. tomorrow but my husband nate just quit his job like last week and he's got a lot of time and he basically does the same thing i do mm -hmm. um <laughs> I'll connect you with him if you want to talk like within the next three weeks. I was like, sure, whatever. I'm like, yeah, great. Awesome. The more the merrier. Right. And so we talk and he's just got this electric vibe. His character is so like, I thought I was extroverted. Like this guy is like 11, just electric personality. He's very inquisitive. Yes. I've only spoken with yeah. him briefly, but he he asks a lot of questions. Yes, yeah. dude. He it's, it's really good. Cool. He's got yeah. you can tell he has like an active mind. Like he wants to understand things. I told him one thing. I was like, hey, I'm kind of thinking like I'm trying to get out of music. Like, I just want to go work at a, like a business consulting. Like, I'll go work in the fucking mail room. Like, <laughs> I just want to get out of this. Yeah. Like, and he goes, Okay. I told him one thing and the guy comes back like a couple days later and he's like, okay, I've found one friend who loves business consulting. I have one friend who is, eh, likes it, but whatever is lukewarm and one that hates it. <laughs> I'm going to connect you with each one of them and then we'll talk. And so I do that. I meet with all of them 
I go back to Nate. He's talking more about this. And I go, yo, we're talking for like an hour. And I'm like, honestly, I got, to be honest with you, I don't care about business consulting. I'm just like, I'm roasting right now and I'm already selling a little bit like to friends and family. Like, yeah. I just want to do this. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh, wait, I didn't know that. Why I'll just say that. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I'll just do my business consulting thing for your business. Like, let's just try this. I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of trying to go, you know, single shingle, like do some independent consulting. Like, let's just do this. And so we talked back and forth for like two weeks. And by the end of the two weeks, he's like, dude, we can, we can do this. Like this could be a business. Yeah. And so we flew him out to Massachusetts to Boston, which he had never been to at, at the time. And we, under the guise of at the time, we're going to sell enough bags to pay for his flight <laughs> and like meals and stuff and that's it fucking okay. love this and so our goal was to sell 70 bags of coffee and we sold 170 bags of coffee damn and so what was gonna be like a chill week of like setting up a business plan filing for an llc you know like getting a, you know all this stuff my roaster that i had could only roast one bag at a time and each roast yeah. session <laughs> takes 12 minutes so like he would, I still had like a full time and a half job. I had two jobs, one half time, one full time. So while I was, while I was at work, he was roasting and I'd come home, he'd go out to dinner and I'd roast. And then before bed, we'd like quick do some conversation stuff. Point is like, we're not like, we're, f we're friends, like, but we're also family and we're also partners. Mm -hmm. Like, we're a type of relationship I don't even know if like it's hard to to quantify. Sure. I'm 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 speaking a little poetically. He'd probably laugh at me when when, when he listens to this, he will laugh at me. It's worthy of it. That's what makes yeah. him your other other half. Because yes. it can't just be someone you see every day. That's exactly not it, it it can't be. And it's not someone that you wake up next to. It's like yeah. But that guy, unless you've been roasting coffee all night, <laughs> which yeah, I guess you know we you know we shared a wall for a week, yep. um, and actually we did share a room in Colombia once on the yeah. the hardest worst beds I've ever <laughs> slept on, but the view was worth it. Um, but no, like like I we work so well together, and we couldn't be more different. We have the same goals, and we respect each other. Right. Like, it, it's so cool. It's so cool. I That's really that. my only answer. I also have a best friend who lives out in, like, Reno and Flagstaff, and he's just super dope. But I think the relationship I have with Nate is so unique. And anybody who wants to go into business, get a partner. Yep. And get a partner that you trust, <clears throat> respect, and who can criticize you, but not even criticize, like, you both know it's what your review. what your end goal is, yeah. and you. Help build it's each not other about you. It's yep. about this thing, and like we're in it. We're in it together. Yeah, the disclaimer is: it's so much easier when you don't have to carry the pack up the hill by yourself. And if you break your ankle, you're fucked. Because I've done that. Like mm -hmm. my creative studio, I did everything by myself, and that takes a lot of willpower and a lot of commitment. But all the other business pursuits that I'm working on now, I need to have a 1A or 1B 
like in most cases I'm one A, but I need I need someone else to help me to carry the bag or the proverbial roast a pound of coffee every hour, mm-hmm. <laughs> every twelve minutes. Right? Yeah, and like in <laughs> and in Nate's case, I'll tell you, even from like a, if you were to look at the structure, just practically speaking, he's the finance guy, I'm the coffee guy. So we we joke. He's like. Sam's the coffee guy. I'm the spreadsheet guy. He cooks the beans. I cook the books. Yeah. That's the joke. And like, we say it all the time. And like the, you know, the investor types and developers, like they fucking love it. Cause they get it. They get it. It's funny. Did that just die? <laughs> Your microphone. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I always have a mic issue. That's fair. I usually cover it up, but that might have been a little. More, <laughs> that one was a little loud. A little more audible. <laughs> Fucking. We did not. The, the building did not cave in. Yeah. So you got a, like a PG Breaking Bad situation. Right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're like the family friendly version, of the, the, the kids' bop right. version exactly. of Breaking Bad. Midwest kids Breaking Bob Bad. Breaking Bad. Still selling baggies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just different. Breaking Rad. Breaking Rad. Ooh, see, I, I like the, that. I got the bag of curry. Yep. He's got the bag of beans. What's <laughs> up? Meet me in the alley. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Well, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a hard question to not answer you, Charles, because we've become so crazy on this show. This came up right. because of right. being at the Meteor Holiday Party, Meteor in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. Dope Cocktail Bar. And uh, Rectangle, shout out. Former guests. And Rectangle, former guests. And we were, we were just at, oh, I, can't, I got there before Quam or my yeah. wife got there. <laughs> and another former guest, Mike Augustinak, said to me, where's your other half? And I smirked at him and he goes, I meant what you heard. I don't know which one I was talking about. And I didn't know which one you'd answer. And I said, both Quam and Marnie will be here in we about 10 minutes. And then Marnie said to me later in the evening, just after Quam left and I texted him about it. She said, you know, what would be a great topic for the podcast is in effect, she didn't put it that way, but who's your other other half and mm-hmm. i was like your other other half i was yep. like i fucking love that i love it too and so because we had talked about that i was like well that's a that's a cop-out since you were the one that yeah. brought it up and then you know we <laughs> we refer to that but it is fair like i have to acknowledge that in my day-to-day life that is it i talk to you more than anybody else uh but weirdly so i was trying to think of it as more of a concept right there wasn't an, an easy answer outside of that because mm-hmm. technically you would be sort of my business partner so like maybe who was like a, like a spiritual other half mm. and uh, another former guest of the show, uh, Billy McCarthy, who has woven his way into my life. It is really eerie and it's very strange how somebody living on another continent has become like such a close friend. Mm. Like we've, yeah. we've seen each other in person twice in the last seven years and yet those two times were so incredibly meaningful and are two of my favorite stories to tell and memories to think of. And now thanks to like WhatsApp, like we just text all the time and he's currently working on a new album. And you know, there's times where like, I know that people enjoy like being around me, but I don't know, like when, when we're not in the same room, I don't know how much, you know, anybody thinks about our relationship or whatever. And we got into this long discussion where he was kind of stuck on a lyric and we were just texting back and forth for like three hours and we figured out a line 
and he demoed a new song. There's like a, a private Facebook group of, of fans of his as a musician, and he demoed a new song, and one of the lines that we had talked about was in it. And it like, it kind of fucked me up. You know, like I, I, I was like blinking back tears while I was driving because I couldn't believe like this text discussion with a friend of mine in Switzerland turned into a song two weeks later that I was driving while listening to. Mm. And it's like, there's a whole bunch of eerie shit. We've both lost little brothers. Our birthdays are on the same day. We're similarly shaped. I'm a little bit larger than him, but we're similarly shaped. And the way that music moves us and the way that we see the world is very, very similar. And when you, when you wrote the question out, that was kind of the first thing that popped into my brain mm -hmm. is it's fun having this person who feels so similar to me, who I consider a very, very good friend. But if I wrote it all out on paper, you'd be like, that's an acquaintance at best. But the discussions that we have, the texts that we have, the things that we talk about when we're chatting back and forth, like it's fucking rad. Like every now and then he'll just be like walking and he'll randomly like think of something. And instead of doing like a text, he'll just send me like a three minute voice note. Mm. And it feels like how European, right? Probably. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys use WhatsApp too? Yeah. Oh yeah. I do yeah. because of yep. Lebanon and traveling in foreign countries. Yeah. That's, that's how I connect with friends who are in like Europe or the Middle East or yeah. South America. And um, I love WhatsApp. So he's still yeah, great. He's still splitting time between Ireland and, and Switzerland, but he's almost finished building his recording studio from scratch in Ireland. Wow. And he's like, dude, you gotta come you gotta come check it out. Like We're just going. come come stations is going. We have a lot of listeners. Correct. Oh, cool. Correct. We need to do it. And I, I just like it's I, I don't know like I have I have really, really close friends that mean the fucking world to me. And I would say that they're all like, you know, other halves in certain situations and they're all a part of my my life. You know, if any one of them was gone, I would feel empty inside. But I just kept thinking about like how odd it is. I think because our our relationship is so odd or like rare, or I, I don't know what, I don't know what term to put on it. Can I, can I diagnose your friendship? Yeah. Ba based on like the being like soul's mate with a friend kind of thing. You guys are super yin and yang. Like mm. you're a lot of cha fun, chaotic energy. You're, I've known you for a while now and you're, you're zenning out a little bit, but he's like incredibly Zen like, yeah, he has the warmth of the sun. Yes. Like when you talk to Billy, you can't not feel good. That's it. And for someone who's been through so much, it's actually inspiring that he is such a warm human being. Yep. And I can see like the yin and yang, not that like you're bringing problems to him. I just think that your personalities really bounce off one another yeah. really nicely. Not that I've observed your friendship very much other than recording the episode with him yeah. and like in person when he did that private concert mm -hmm. for charity that, that you put together. But like, I can see that, that you guys can connect on, on a really high frequency. Yeah. I, it, that's, that's a, a great perspective on it. I, I also very much enjoy bringing chaos into mm. <laughs> friendships and relationships. Yeah, it's fun uh, to be around. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun to be around. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Like there, he is, he's a fucking, he's a fucking glowing sun. And it's, it's rad to like, sort of have like recognized each other and just been like, yeah. And just a couple days ago, I was going through an old, I'm trying to figure out, I, I'm one of those guys there. I'm sure there's a, a lot of men out there, especially that are going to nod along with this. I'm one of those guys that has a, a tub under our guest room bed full of old cords from technology that I don't have anymore. <laughs> old hard drives. I you could say something a lot weirder. No, 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 no. 
Like, I, yeah, like I'm always like, well, tub? what yeah. the fuck yeah. is going no, on? No, I'm always like, well, you never know. I might, I might need that wire again. And there's nothing worse than throwing the wire away, and then like six months later, you need it. Yeah, yeah. And and I had like seven old hard drives in there, and I'm like, enough, okay. Like, I got to go through these, and if there's anything left on them that I like, I'll take it, and then otherwise, it's just getting fucking erased and pitched. And I found a photo of the first night that I saw them play when, when Augustine's was still together, cool. yeah. and, uh, and and he looked so young, and then there's a few more photos from me and my friend Dan who were at the show, and we both looked so young, and I I went to that show on a whim because I was obsessed with the first album. Dan had never heard them. And like four songs in, leans in and said, I think this is one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And then flash forward 12 years, and now we're talking about going to see him in his recording studio in Ireland. And it's all organic. Like it was all the next concert they played, we just met and it went from there. So again, not my my other half, like without that person, I'm not complete sitting here. But other half in like, there's another human being that, really kind of sees everything the way that I do. Mm. And when we're talking about music, it literally is like talking to myself. Like it's, it's so strange and it's fun knowing that there's somebody like that on the other side of an ocean that whenever we see each other, whether it be every other year or every five years, it'll always pick up exactly where it left off and that will never change. And that's really reassuring, I guess really cool. to know. It's like a, a pen pal other half for all of you old people out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Awad. Uh, I'm fortunate. Oh, I'm fortunate that I feel like I have a number of living beings that I can append such a, a profound statement to like the work one. It's qualm. Like that's, you know, it's my own leading question. We were even talking about at the bar, how like we've connected so much mm -hmm. via the show and getting to know one another away from the microphones that like we are, you know, we're like, brothers we're we're really close and we understand one another in a way that we absolutely did not understand one another three years ago we probably would have never become we definitely would never have become as close as we are if not for this show definitely not then um you can go ahead and daily double me because i'm giving three answers <laughs> i'm not gonna like stretch this this out too far but the when sam you brought up like having a friend like that and also obviously Quam, you brought up a friend um my friend Brandon, uh, yeah. he and I have this effortless friendship and we've known one another since we were teenagers where, you know, when you watch a movie and there's like these two like old ladies, these old blue airs that are like super close friends and they finish each other's sentences and they're just getting up to crazy hijinks even though they're in their like 80s or what have you. He and I, like we don't miss a beat. We're always connected. That's the only person on this planet that I could talk to for 10 straight hours without a pause and not get mad at. Mm -hmm. Then the other one that occurred to me and it wasn't a it wasn't covered in any of these others. And it just kind of like randomly occurred to me as we we're speaking. It's my fucking cat. Lucky. I was he like, is my, I literally was like, I hope he says lucky. That's Cause my, he is. I feel like when I'm around my dog, that cat's yeah. my dog, man, like we're, it, it, he, uh, he goes where I go. He's happy when I'm happy. He's sad when I'm sad. He's mad when I'm mad. We, we wrestle, we snack, we watch movies. He sits in my lap while I'm playing video games. Like I, that the connection I have with that animal. Yeah. You can, if you're listening to this and you don't understand this type of a connection, you can laugh at me and, and 
I love him so much that I'm happy for you to be laughing at me about it. But he is very much like uh, an, another like souls like like a like a soulmate to me. Uh, and I I did not think at all about animals when I was considering options, but that's my dude. Yeah. Mm. God damn it. I want to I want to like cheers and go on to the next question, but a a friend of mine keeps calling <laughs> while you're trying to look at your yeah your I'm just like <laughs> dude I literally said still recording I can't I can't answer oh, yeah and he's called twice since I'm like I don't <laughs> honestly I don't even care if there's an emergency no offense dude I don't even care <laughs> text me the emergency yeah, yeah yeah if only he was another other half then you would leave right now and right? answer that phone <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Hey, well, cheers to our other halves and yeah. our other other halves and our other 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 halves. To all the pieces that make us whole. Yes. So many halves, we're like creatures in Resident Evil. Facts and facts. Uh, ooh, this is you again. What? Yeah. Twofer. All right. Well, yeah, let's talk about coffee again, Sam. What's mm. something happening in coffee culture right now that really excites you? Hmm. Well, I'm going to answer something that is maybe if there are people who are listening who are like true experts, this may not be that new new, but I think that it is uh, in the industry of coffee very, very new. Um, and that is essentially focusing on the processing and fermentation of the cherry itself or when mm. the coffee is still in cherry form. Yeah, baby. And this is really like, you know, variety plays a role. And there was a time where terroir and place origin was really important. Um, as a side note, like terroir is important, but it's so much more complicated than like, uh, oh, all Colombian coffee tastes this way. Cause like, I've been to Colombia and I've been to a few different places there and it's like this hillside I've I've been to the two different places on the same farm and like this slope gets a lot different sun and water and you know shade and coolness Wind. than this place like yeah. and it's just around the corner like so that's where terroir really is complicated um so that one's kind of like a a I mean, it, it, it's like a void. There's a there's a book by a, a professor uh, about wine called Terroir and Other Myths of Wine Growing. Yeah. Do, do you know this book? Yes, yeah. Um, I tried reading it, but I'm not a wine expert, so it was like a lot of jargon that I didn't <laughs> yeah, understand, daunting. but I want to understand it so I bad. I it, yeah. Because I think it will apply to coffee for sure. Um, yeah, it's analogous in some ways. I'm absolutely, sure. for sure. There's a, a, actually one of the most f uh, popular um, uh, coffee fermentation specialists. Her name is uh, Lucia Salas. It, you guys should have her on if you can. She doesn't live here or even in this country, I think, at this moment. We but remote. Yeah. yeah, we remote. Dude, Hook us she up. has a great... I don't know her very well, but fuck, reach out. Okay. She has a podcast called... Uh, drinking coffee with uh with lucia and she is amazing she 
uh, used to Lucia be a, Solace, you said. Lucia, uh, she might go by Lucia. It's L-U-C-I-A okay. and S-O-L-I-S. Got it. Um, and she used to work for Opus One. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that was like her winemaking experience. Sure. And now she does coffee fermentation. And all that is to say that the wine industry, it, there is some, um, it is analogous in many ways. And in one way, terroir but in another is this fermentation exploration um we have brought in crazy coffees right now like if you're listening this is going to come out like before the new year this will be out literally very very soon yeah okay i won't say when because the listener will be like (laughs) it'll be very very soon oh yeah (laughs) but yeah like okay so if you're listening to this before christmas 2023 uh, and you are in the Twin Cities, you have to come to one of our coffee shops. We have two right now. Lindale and 24th. It's right by the Wedge Co-op. And the Vandalia Tower where uh, King Coil Spirits is and Lake Monster Brewery. We're in the lobby. That's where our roastery is. We have six of the craziest fucking pour-overs you could get right now. Three of them were fermented with Koji in the fermentation tank. He's not, being, he's not being hyperbolic. Oh. Like... Right, like when when we had uh, okay on a prior episode, someone said like, "Where would you send somebody to get coffee?" And I said, "SK Coffee." If it's someone from another city, and I'm trying to wall them, yep. they're going to SK Coffee. That's yep. it. it. It's it, it's crazy stuff, and I'm I'm saying this not as a pat on my back or our back, but like that's what is so exciting right now. It's like yeah, of course, dude. Like, Kochi, like. We we have one. We haven't even. I haven't even opened the box yet because I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. Yeah. But it was co-fermented with dried peaches. I'm in. I've had a peach co-ferment and it didn't do as much for me as the lemongrass. Yeah. Oh, the lemongrass. So I'm curious to try it when you when you do something with it because God, I don't remember the producer, but I got it from Fellow Drops and it was a peach. Oh, okay. Interesting. It was after I had your lemongrass Colombian, and so I was very excited for that peach to slap me about the face and it just didn't do enough for me. Here's the really cool part of this. We'll see how this works yeah. because yeah. you love that lemongrass. It's the same producer okay. who's done this peach Ooh. one okay. we got. So hopefully I've only tasted it in like sample drops. So that's like things can change. And also production roasts are different than my sample roasters. So like everything changes in, in, not insignificant, but not super significant ways. Right. Um, but like, what? Like, I'm in. yeah, like yeasts. Uh, we have we have one. The lemongrass is technically isolated lemongrass yeast. So like, he takes lemongrass, or he's also doing the same kind of thing with citronella that he finds on his farm. And I'm talking about Sebastian Ramirez. He's actually quite a famous farmer. Mm -hmm. And he'll take, and a lot of farmers are doing this too, is they'll take things and they'll ferment them to isolate the yeasts or the lactic acid Mm -hmm. bacteria of that specific thing. And in some cases, like one of our farming partners, Felipe Contreras on uh, Finca Gascon down in in Guatemala, Mm -hmm. he'll isolate yeasts and lactic acid bacteria of specific varieties and then use that to inoculate the fermentation tanks of those varieties later. Let's go. It's it's wild. And yeah. that is where flavor is 
encouraged and coaxed and and given or yeah and so that's what excites me in coffee and that's what's kind of like i said it's not entirely at the forefront because we've been talking about fermentation but i think for uh all intents and purposes like it's absolutely still a growing budding uh, area. Oh yeah, and it's getting into consumers' hands, which is something that hasn't really absolutely happened on a, on any sort of a, a large scale. The am- y- I, I was just going to say to to add to that, yeah. like like yeah. just to to put a put a pin in that, not a pin, a, a bow, a, a, a paper clip. There you go. You know, uh, on Clippy. your point, Clippy. Uh, yeah. a, a clip, a post-it um, note. The amount of ana- word anaerobic. Yeah. On like readily available coffees it's right now, now is like suddenly yeah five years ago it, I wouldn't even been able to tell you what that meant for sure and now like people are just using that it's wild yeah Sorry, I mean I, I, you I know I, you. I, I was texting a lot of industry friends in coffee when they really started emerging and asking them like do I need to do this like do I need to get some anaerobic coffees and people like CJ Porter Bourne were like. I think this is going to do something for you, knowing what you do and don't enjoy. Uh, yeah, we got connected originally uh, by Marco Zappia, former, another former guest of the show, uh, because he and I were having coffee one morning. We get coffee once in a while, and I was remarking that there aren't enough um, espresso tonics in, in this city, mm. having traveled around the world, and they're everywhere. And he didn't even tell me that he makes the tonic for you. And then I was talking about Koji inoculation. And after bringing up those two points, he's like, I know you're working on some coffee stuff. I'm going to connect you with, he's like, have you been to SK coffee? And I hadn't yet. And he said, you need to meet Sam. I'm going to connect you guys. And then we met and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. I get it. This is the philosophy yep. that I'm looking for as close to me as, as it is. And that's a real fucking treat that it's like accessible and right there. But yeah, that was, that was the impetus for it was the Koji. Cause I was like, cause he does a lot with Koji stuff yep. and I'm yep. fascinated with Koji and we we're having a conversation about that over coffee. And then he's like, you should, you should talk to Sam. You should meet Sam. That's awesome. I feel like uh, this is the most, like, I've had a couple headshots from the sniping that's going on. This one just flared my shields, uh, so I, I survived. You were getting very close to what my answer Ooh. is. Okay. So what you were talking about with terroir, uh, with wine, and the how that sort of crosses what we're doing with coffee right now, that is sort of what I'm excited about, in that when I first started bartending in 1999, there were, like, Mixers were on the gun or maybe one bottle of like Mr. and Mrs. T's like Long Island mix or some bullshit. There were like 12 total spirits and then a few expensive things that you could get. Going to the bar was just drink a thing that you're comfortable with and talk to people and that's it. Get buzzed. Right. Or get hammered. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. I got to be a part, fortunately, of in in the Midwest of the craft cocktail wave 1.0 and then have been sort of tied to it ever since. And I've watched every single time the naysayers say this isn't possible, nobody's going to pay that for a cocktail, nobody gives a shit about eau de vie, nobody's ever going to drink grappa, nobody's ever going to want absinthe rinse. All of the things that that people that didn't want to change said will never, ever happen, happened. And now I walk into bars in far-out suburbs and their back bar looks better than any bar I worked at in my early 20s. Mm. 
because we took the time to try and teach people that there's always something better. There's always something more unique. There's always something more interesting. And we found those explorers. We found it's not 10 out of 10. Maybe it's two out of 10. Maybe it's one out of 10. But those explorers, when they start learning, when they have their sticky brain, to mm -hmm. quote you, Sam, which I love and I'm absolutely stealing from you, Thanks. when they have that, that sticky brain, what happens is that little bit of knowledge sticks to them and then they spread that everywhere they go. Like in the most positive metaphor of like spores, yeah. that's how it works. Or pollination. Like they stop at that flower and then they take that pollen with them and they go other places. And then now somebody mm -hmm. comes over and they have like a fuck you moment, God cup of coffee at someone's house. And like, what the fuck is this? It's like, yeah. oh, well, this is from here. And that's how we start a revolution. And uh, I talked about it on the, the CJ episode. My God cup was a multitude of God cups because I had Tim Wendelbow in Oslo, Norway, mm. walk me through an entire cupping session of 17 different ways to drink coffee. And I didn't know that I could find jasmine tea notes. I didn't know that I could find raspberry notes. I didn't know that I could find cloudberries and dark chocolate because I had been drinking crap coffee. Like real talk, I, at that point in my 20s and into my 30s, I probably preferred like caffeine drinks like Red Bull and shit over coffee until someone showed me the depth of coffee. I didn't love a overburned like percolator cup. I, like I would drink it when we would go smoke a pack of cigarettes at Perkins at midnight mm -hmm. after a concert. But that was just because it would keep me going. Mm -hmm. I wasn't drinking it because I liked it. Much like I think a lot of the people that were my original regulars at the bar probably didn't love the taste of Captain Coke, but it was tolerable and it was, it was repeatable. I understand that aspect of it. But as somebody who just constantly wants to learn more and experience more, we're watching it happen right now. And I love the fact that when I did that cupping session at Wendell Bow, that was like seven years ago. I was like, I can't, like, we could never do this here. And now I look around and, and we can. I literally do those. Right. Like, I'm watching like, I'm watching it change in front of me. And now oh. I'm talking to a human being who's a part of that change. Just, so that proves to me that it's working. It proves to me that it's happening. And it's really fucking cool to see that. And we've proved it in every other industry. And I love the fact that, that it's happening here. Can I just add... Uh, Tim Wendelbow is a huge influence on me. I love like, that. The oh, fact, like, listeners, you don't even know, like, this is one of the, he's not one of the OG OGs, like George Howell and, like, the old guys, but, like, the early third wave. Uh, I don't know if you talked about Tim Wendelbow when CJ was on, but, like, this is, the, this is a Norwegian dude who won World Barista Championship, and that's when those those championships kind of, actually meant something right. and no offense to them now but like they turned people they they made people's careers now i have no idea sure. who won this that or the yeah. other competition anymore yeah, qualm's been to his cafe and roastery multiple times and they only they only drink tim wendebo mm -hmm. at home when they make still it, so. dude it's like the fact that that is the experience you had from that person like is rare yeah. and so cool and shouldn't be over, like understated yeah. I, i've talked about it it was the first time i had when when jenny and i went in to go my my wife and i went in to go get a, a coffee drink um 
when our barista was making it, mine was a half a degree too cool. And she was like mad at herself and dumped the whole thing out. And I, like me being like the Midwestern, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, was no, like, no, 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 I'll like, drink that, it. that's okay. I'll drink it. And she like, she goes, you might've drank it, but I won't serve it. And I was like, oh shit. I, I just, I had never experienced that before because I, I was not, I was a coffee drinker, but I was not a coffee enjoyer or connoisseur. And I changed literally overnight. And, and look, we don't have to, not every coffee company has to go that way. Mm-hmm. But but it's important to to see the to, to to explore and know that those types of experiences exist because right. because they help move everything else. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, bitter cube, right? What you guys must have experienced? Exp- yep. Right? Am I right? Yep. In that company? Yep. Um, like people like y'all and Marco, like have helped move the spirits industry in this um, in this region. And now out in White Bear Lake, like you can get, you know, Pappy Van Winkle yep. and sh- like, mm. you know, I don't know. Right. Like, are you guys, are you guys familiar with the Overton window? So I'm not, the no. Overton window is, it's a, it's a, a, a p- sort of a political slash media term. And it basically, it's used in a negative way. <laughs> what the Overton window is, is if you, if you say the most insane, crazy shit politically and you keep saying it over and over and over again, nobody is going to come to your side. But what you do is you create such a far out goalpost that then if somebody is 10 yards farther in than you, which normally would have been so crazy... crazy that nobody would listen to them. Yeah, okay. But now you're not as crazy as the farthest out person. It shifts the window of what the public accepts as normal discourse. And it's a thing I think about all the time, especially in the times that we're living in right now. But I've also started to use that as a way of looking at positive things in the world. That it's it's the visionaries who decide they want to do something because they believe in it, not because they're going to make the most money at it. Those are the people who stretch how far people believe is possible. And then everybody else has room to fill in and do a little bit more, do a little bit better, try a little bit harder, get a little bit more niche. You can still have your, your blends and your everything else, but maybe you're going to have a couple pour overs. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have known what the term pour over was maybe six, seven years ago, but now I do. And it's something that I look for. All we have to do is find the people to push those gold posts out far enough, far enough, and then other people can figure out how to get in there. And then those explorers go, they go to the end of it and they find it. And then on the way back, they get a whole bunch more people involved. Yep. And that's like, it's a really beautiful way to me. It's a beautiful visualization for me to look at how things work. And it's the people like you that move the goalposts that allow for an entire new community to come in and be built around that. And I, I cannot understate the importance of being the people on the front end of that because it's lonely out there. But then you see the people start coming in and you get devoted followings and then they start telling their friends and all of a sudden now it grows. That's that's how it works. And you get kind of not protected, but um, like you feel that sense of loyalty and like warmth of the people that are in it with you. Like when you start to get that, 
you become more empowered to like keep going. Yep. It, it, so you're not alone. Absolutely. But. Charles, I mean, yeah, I, ordinarily you would have sniped me, but we've been talking about like infusing knowledge into human beings about coffee already. So I was like already considering shifting and I call it knowledge, not education because it's not like you don't have to be book smart to know the farmer who produces the coffee that you're consuming. It's more about like the actual knowledge of, of that, that person's hard work. Uh, I'm going to go in a different direction and say um, the thing that I've loved seeing and it's continuing to grow is uh, the liberation of producing world-class coffee in one's own home. Mm. That's changing. Yes. It's changed so mm -hmm. much and it is changing. Like I have a Flare 58. That's an accessible product for somebody to make espresso in their home. Yes, there's a learning curve. There's some education that is necessary to utilizing that thing. But by the pressure that you generate with your own forearm, you can understand what you're doing to the that bean to change the final product that ends up in your glass. And sure, you can get shot mirrors and all sorts of other little tools to improve your your capabilities utilizing it. But that's not something making a making the type of espresso that you can make with this manual product is something that was pretty far out of reach to make a comparable product if you're adept at it for a very long time for like a home espresso machine. Mm -hmm. And arguably you can make better than professional grade. Hey, I now it, see it truly. at three. I now three, I see it at three Michelin star restaurants when they come to my table and 100%. I'm like, that's all I need to see to yep. feel justified in, in the utilization of that tool. If, if I could open a shop with just flare 58s, I would. Yeah. But it wouldn't work. But Oh man. Yeah. But point is, it's like, yeah. it's like putting, it's like using raclette at a restaurant. You know, like you can't use yeah. it for everybody. It's just not going to, it's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the prior manifestation of that, that's got us to the point that we're at today is I, at some point, as with anybody, didn't use pour over because I didn't know I could, or it's just sort of coming to you. Cause it's been a long time since I've been chemexing at home. But I remember the first time I chemexed was on vacation in Portland and it was in our Airbnb. And I was like, I'm going to just look up how to use it. And I used it, and I remember going, yo, like, what did I just do here? Just even fussing with it on my first turn, I made, like, a really good cup of coffee. Was it scientifically perfect? No, of course not. But that made me say, I'm going on the internet and ordering this thing. And then from there, the adventure grew. I started to get picky about my filters and where I was more picky about where I was sourcing my coffee from. I got a gooseneck kettle, Steggy KG, uh, to now, you know, I have a fellow Ode, so a really nice grinder. I have, um, I have like this heating implement that I put under my Chemex that I found a setting that maintains exactly 135 degrees. I use ember mugs that I set to 135 degrees. So every drop of coffee I consume is 135 degrees. I have a scale. So you can go as far as you want with it, but you couldn't, you didn't have these options at your fingertips. You couldn't get grinders like a fellow owed 10 years ago. You just couldn't. I was using like a, I think the brand was like fucking black and Decker. Or something. Yeah. I was just using like a spice yeah. grinder and just destroying these beans. And to me, it was still better than getting a bag off the shelf at Cub Foods or something, doing that with some some local whole beans. But now I have this like really nice burr grinder in my kitchen. So that liberation of creating a cup of coffee 
in your kitchen, office, living room, and how it's changing still is super fucking fascinating. And I think, Sam, even you would say, like, you're, you're not trying to discourage anybody from buying your coffee and making it at home as opposed to coming in and buying a cup from you. No. I think that it's actually a great thing for actually, what you're buy, doing. Buy more bags. I love right? it. Yeah, it's, they're honoring the coffee mm-hmm. every stage. Because imagine those tools not being available to the home connoisseur and them taking what has been worked on from, you know, a, a fucking farm in Ethiopia all the way to you roasting it and bagging it with love and care and handing it to them and then putting it in a black and decker and just like throwing it into hmm. a percolator that is, you know, 210 degrees. <laughs> Real talk. You just put this on. It's time for the percolator in my head. There Thank we you go. I also just looked up a flare 58. I've never seen that before. That might be one of the sexiest things I've ever it's seen. It's super my life. sexy and it it's affordable. Yeah. Um, that's fucking rad. Just to add to to your point, like for anybody listening, if you're not deep into coffee yet and you think, oh my God, I could never, the things that you, if you decide to, the feeling you're about to experience, I envy because, because I'm at like, you're, you're even at like the 90th percentile and like just simply because I do it every day. Like, I'm at that 98th percentile. Like, I'm doing it professionally every day. Mm -hmm. Right. And so little, even what might seem like major innovations don't move my needle quite as much. Um, And and I mean that only because I'm just... You're in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of it. But those early days, I look back with such, um, like deep sense of sentimentality and beauty because like the first time you had a, a Chemex, I'm sure it was a brown paper filter. Mm-hmm. And if you tasted it now, it probably tasted like fucking flannel sock, like surely. But at the time, mm-hmm. like between battery acid and chocolate, like is a huge leap. Mm-hmm. And like those moments are so beautiful like you have that in front of you like we'd we'd we have moments of beauty for sure but like your position if you are not in it right now like just do it because it the a little effort is gonna make such a huge difference in your experience with coffee and you will not regret it my favorite food or beverage thing to do for a friend is if they say they want to kit out their coffee system at home for me to like put together (laughs) links like get all this get some or all of this if you get all of it i i'm like giddy like i can't wait for them to see what this does for them because each time i've experienced that with somebody where i'm i tell them like we'll get at least these two things get get the six cup chemex and get a a nice gooseneck with temperature control, just, just those two for starters, you can get everything if you want, but just get those two things instead of doing, say at that stage, they're French pressing, just do that. And then just either being there or having them tell me the sense of joy that they got from that experience and how different it was from what they were already doing brings me so much happiness, like more than like recommending a bottle of wine Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. like a recipe that Mm -hmm. like makes me so happy. I love that. Shall we? 
We shall. Cheers. 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 All right, so final final topic. Regardless of how you feel about uh, holiday season or whatever, we'll just use Santa as a colloquial figure. If Santa were real and you could ask for one thing, and not some like high flute and world peace, sure. unity, calm, some selfish ass shit, what what would you ask for? In a perfect world, money not an option. What is the thing that you would want to be gifted from Santa? So it comes from basically somebody that you don't have to feel like, what did you have to go through to get this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I bumped that. Um, I'll answer in this way. So my wife is from England, and she also grew up in Massachusetts. So she grew up on Nantucket island off cape cod holy shit um pretty cool so jealous uh unfortunately for both of us she's not a billionaire um <laughs> uh so you know one of the many working class people yep. uh, on the island um so my family's from here we own a duplex here we're living here right now there's a chance someday we're gonna we're gonna move back there um in some kind of capacity say fuck it and go to nantucket yeah, or Boston is more likely, which is where we met and stuff, right? And and this, you know, not to get too personal, but, like, someone very uh, meaningful in her life is, like, pretty sick um, and just got diagnosed with, with a, a, a debilitating but not necessarily a terminal um, illness. Um, and I think that the idea of moving back to boston is for me personally business wise it doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. but for us personally it makes a lot of sense um and so someday that's the move what i want santa to give me is a duplex in boston yeah baby because i love duplexes uh selfishly they're a great investment 100 percent. um but also i like living with other people but not living with other people Yeah, yeah um and I can't afford a million dollar uh, duplex in Boston right now. So, uh, Santa rad. baby, I like it. Help me like out. It. Knock knock. <laughs> Come on, Santy. What about you, Charles? I forgot who we were having a conversation with the other day. It was like four of us in a room. I do not remember who it was, but Marnie was talking about like life after working, like retirement age shit, and then. She turned to me and she's like, well, Charles, Charles will never stop doing stuff. Like he'll never stop doing some form of work. Uh, mostly because, you know, I'm entrepreneurial. I like to have mm-hmm. my hands in the mm-hmm. things that I'm doing and I'm a fucking control freak. But what I would ask Santa for is I'd say, Santa, you big dumb bastard. You're not going to need those elves anymore after today. <laughs> I need some help. So why don't you send... All those little fuckers over to my house. For 364 days a year. And I'll put them to work for 364 days. Because I need some help. It's like we were talking about earlier. You can't do it yourself, right? And I have more ideas than I have time. Yeah. And I'm working on a lot of them next year. Like too many. Today, Marnie was like, how many more brands are you going to put in that fire? But it would be really nice for Santa to send over some elves to help me out. (laughs) They're very capable, too. (laughs) They're hardworking and capable. Like I, all I can picture is like a really fucked up, like heavy metal version of like Willy Wonka with the Oompa Loompas. 
Hell yeah, let's go. Just all of a sudden, Charles just starts dressing like super, uh, like eclectic and kind of crazy. Like you in a purple velour coat, I'm in. Oh, I'm, I could be the Charlie in that chocolate. Speaking factory. as somebody who owns a purple velvet coat, yeah. I want you in that. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see a top hat on Charles. Oh God, here we go. Here we go. Follow me, fellas. Yes, let's go. It's time to get to work. Uh. So my my honest answer for this, and I'm speaking this into the universe because this is the closest that this that I've ever been to actually making this happen. But I am fortunate enough. I've uh, I have changed. People always say never meet your heroes, and I have absolutely thrown that out the fucking window. Uh, meet your heroes, burn your idols. Anybody that you consider an idol, like just don't even. It's never going to live up to what you want. But to me, a hero is somebody that you like look up to. And I unfortunately was not able to meet a few people that have been heroes for me growing up because they have passed away. But there is one fucking person left that is a hero to me that I have not met. And I got this fucking close. Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. And no way. there is a chance in July that I can finally complete the circle. And all I want from Santa is to be able to give Dave Grohl a hug. That's it. I don't need a picture. I don't need an autograph. I don't need to hang out. This has now become not an obsession, but like a thing because once that's done, then I've, I've literally completed my list and I, I don't even, I don't know what <laughs> yeah. to do after that. Like, I don't know what that's going to feel like. Maybe I got to find some new people, but it's been a positive experience a hundred percent of the time. I got some fan fiction. You're like, you go, you go to the mall, like Santa, I got to meet Dave Grohl. Pulls the beard down and he says, it's it Dave is Dave Grohl. It was me all along. I've been waiting here for you. It was me all along. <laughs> it's like, all of a sudden the curtain falls down. The yeah. band just starts playing. It's confetti and fireworks. I'm you telling you. Like it's <laughs> the, the way I literally have like up to the stage access for the show, which I've never, I've seen them more than everyone except Butch Walker. Uh, I've seen them the most as a band. And this is by far and away the closest I've ever been. And I now have a connection to, I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I think. You, you have a connection. I have a connection to his management company now. And I just want, there was an almost. Future friend of the podcast. Future Dave friend Grohl. of the podcast. Have I have I told the, the Dave Grohl hug story on this show? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we, Sam, I got very, very close. And I missed him by about 10 seconds. And his poor security guard ended up having, after some back and forth, ended up having to come out and give me a hug for Dave. And it was the most reluctant hug I've ever gotten in my life. And it was the funniest fucking thing. And I just I just want to acknowledge that. First of all, if that security guard still works with them, I want to let him know I'm sorry you had to hug a stranger. Uh, but I also want to actually be able to 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 give him a solid hug. See, Kropis got in the way of that one. Yep. Can I just relate to your wanting to meet somebody so bad? Yeah, it, sure. There's one person that's local too, and like I've wisped him and even seen him eating at a restaurant, and that's Justin Vernon. Oh yeah, he's. I am obsessed. He's my very kind. Holy, I I've heard. I have my friend works on his guitars, mm. and like he's even gifted me old tuning knobs of his so yeah. i have like justin's tuning knobs like 
our friend Sean, like two months ago, said that his family was eating like just down the bar from him, and even said hello. Oh, yeah. he's like, it, a couple months ago. My wife, my wife walked down the aisle to his music. Mm. The last song my mom ever listened to while alive was that same piece because she. Oh wow. She passed away three months before our wedding, Ugh. and so I played for her our first dance piece, which was this this piece of Justin's, and, like, I want so badly to tell him that. Yeah. Because, like, no doubt he hears that shit all the time, and so I I only bring that up because I can relate to, it, like... That's it. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like a... It's not a, like, let's take a bunch of pictures and will you record my voicemail? It's literally just, you. you've given me so much joy... And I hope, like, I hope this hug conveys some of that, because it's it's like fucking real, you know? Yeah. Like that to me, that's the essence of art: is you selflessly put something inside of you out into the world, and maybe some people just look at it and say that's nice, but it really resonates with some other people. And when when those people get to thank the artist, like to me, that's that's again, that's the circle completing, is. You did a thing. It moved me. I just wanted to say thank you. That's it. And again, I'm fortunate enough that every single one of those interactions that I've had has has been wonderful. And I've become friends with a number of them. And that's very strange to think. Like, it kind of fucks me up to be like, I'm friends with a number of the people that I have also been like, oh. But there's one left on the list who is still alive. And I'm just like, mm. also the completionist in me is like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta check the last box. Cause then it's like, all right, cool. We're good. You're going to get it. I just, I just, I, I know it. I'm willing it into it. the world. I feel it. This is my I Christmas feel this wish. energy yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and again, literally the fact that I will be the closest I've ever been. I, I just, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> You're going to do it. Uh, so as we wind this to a close, I want to reiterate to everybody the quality of what you're doing and also have them understand how to find you. Yeah. Uh, so our website, which is very easy for anybody who's not in the Twin Cities, skcoffeeplease.com. Uh, check us out. Uh, Instagram. Uh, right now, our Instagram is run by a very able Young Gen Z, who has a yeah. much better uh, eye than me, <laughs> and he's a professional photographer. But basically, it's like me and Carter are behind the Instagram, and we have a hell of a good time. Love so it. follow us on Instagram. It's s.k.coffee. Our brand name does not have the periods the in the acronym, but it's just, uh, you know, when you, you when you look for handles... If you search on Instagram, it's dot blind. So if you yeah. type SK Coffee, it'll pop up. You'll, you'll, yeah. Thank and you. how, Thank how, you. how far do you ship? Uh, I have shipped to Hong Kong. Ooh, all it's right. It's expensive, but we'll ship mm -hmm. to, I've shipped to Nicaragua, Hong Kong. I used to have a subscriber in Puerto Rico. Hell yeah. Um, who got coffee every other week. That's uh, amazing. So oh, Canada, yeah. tons of times, England. Okay. So all over the place. Um, sure. Uh, and if you're in the Twin Cities, we are about to open a third location too. So you can find us in three different places. Uh, our roastery coffee bar is Vandalia Tower, like I mentioned earlier, where Lake Monster Brewery and St. Paul. Uh, Paul, thank you. Yep. Uh, Vandalia uh, Cretan Exit off 94. 
right next to where I got married. Correct. Oh, you were at Pika. Did yeah. you marry at Pika? Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Also, very cool wedding venue Absolutely. in that space, too, if you're looking. Uh, Lindale and 24th is our Minneapolis Whittier kind of classic corner coffee location. And then we're about to open a shop in uh, the Skyway of Minneapolis. In Hell yeah. 50 South 6th. I think downtown's coming back, baby. Like we are, we're seeing signs. We're seeing seeing signs. signs. And Marty and I did our staycation a couple weeks ago. We were walking down uh, Nicollet. We were like, you know what? It feels a lot more alive than it has in quite some time. As somebody who sells spirits and wine to the downtown world, it is absolutely coming back. It's coming back. Watching the numbers rise is incredible. Yeah, so we're opening up in six, 50 South 6th, 50 South 6th. There is a 60 South 6th. Correct. We're 50 South 6th, but also we'll essentially be the coffee shop for 60 because 60 doesn't have their caribou anymore. Sucker. As well. And we, it's the Deloitte Building Ocean Air. Um, super cool. I was just there like 30 minutes before recording this with you guys. And I'm telling you, like... Holy shit, this place is really nice. It's going to be beautiful. I'm excited. It, yeah, it's going to be crisp. And yeah. It's even funnier Winter because your other locales. I did not realize that. I was literally in that building when I left to come here. And then, really? I, and then I had to run to grab the cables that you're, I forgot. You're shitting me. For all of our listeners, we've been doing this for three and a half years. I still managed to forget the XLR cables today. So I just want to put that out there. I was a little That's bit a chaos late. chaos we were talking about. Uh, I, I inject a little <laughs> bit of good-natured chaos into everything. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I was, I was literally there. Wow. Yeah. Well, that blocked off little section, that's going to be our shop. Amazing. I am yeah. so excited. Yeah. Uh, I have I have a long and storied history with that building, so that makes me very happy because it's one of my favorite places. It's a cool place. The Rad Building. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. So check them out, please. If you are looking to just get some coffee in your world that'll change your life, order some bags, have them shipped to you. It's worth it. Uh, Charles, what else you want to throw in there? If you're a new listener, because we don't do a lot of coffee episodes, we try to, but um, if, if you're a new listener... Uh, Please sub us. Mm-hmm. If you're a longtime listener and you haven't reviewed us, which are like most of you guys, <laughs> drop us drop us a review, please. Hit that. Or just just hit the stars. Yeah, you don't even have to write anything. Five star, please. But Be kind. yeah, just hit just hit those stars. It literally takes one second. You're listening to me right now. Just look at your phone. Hit mm-hmm. that five star. Pow. Bing. Uh, and I'll just throw out, regardless of of if you have any rev- or religious affiliation or not. Uh, the holidays can be a wonderful and a beautiful time. So if that's your if that's your world, enjoy that. Take it in a little bit. Uh, it can also be a really, really hard time for some folks. So give a little bit more kindness. And if you have a little bit of time when maybe you would normally, uh, your, your thumb would just be doom scrolling, maybe just check in on a couple of people. Uh, just say something nice. It's incredible how wonderful that, like, the amount of magic that you can put in a two sentence text, just saying, Hey, I was thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. Happy holidays. Uh, maybe that's just a nice compliment to somebody. Uh, but also maybe that's, that's a life-saving interaction for somebody. And every holiday season, I, I always try and think about that a little bit more. We're pretty grateful for the worlds that we have. Um, but I've been on the other side of that coin and I know a lot of you out there listening have been too. And it's just always, it's always a wonderful exercise. It costs you nothing, 
And all you're doing is putting a little bit of kindness and magic out in the world. Great reminder. So uh, we'll talk to you on the other side of the new year. Uh, but till then, happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see you next time. Kale Krampus. Kale Krampus.